0: Hello and welcome to what I'm going to call a very special episode of A Muggle's Perspective. Now I know what you're thinking. Every episode is pretty special, right? It's a Harry Potter podcast with Rogie and Brayden. But this is an even above averagely special episode because we're joined by, Brayden, what's the word? Fan favorite? How do we describe yeah. this guest?
1: um, hero, mm-hmm. um... Legend, as some would say. Human Dictionary. Yeah.
0: Uh, We're joined today by Carla.
2: Hey, guys.
0: Carla, I think it needs no introduction at this point. I mean, if you're this far into the podcast and you're like, Carla, huh? no, I don't. It's not ringing a bell. I don't know. I don't know what to do for you.
1: Yeah.
2: I feel very insulted if that was the case. Yeah.
0: You sh- as yeah. you should.
1: If you have to ask those kinds of questions, you are not worthy of this episode. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. Just honor system. Just go back, listen to all the other episodes again, and then come back, and we'll see, you'll see if you're ready.
1: Should we do a quick refresher though on just house and? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I guess just like, you know, where you're from first of all, because this is this is what makes this more fun because. Yeah. <laughs> This isn't just like somebody Rogi knows from Warsaw or that I know from Crawfordsville. Um, yeah. So, yeah, where are you from, your house? Just a quick rundown again.
2: It's just from down the streets in Portugal. <laughs> and I'm a Ravenclaw. And that's why I know what crenellated ramparts are.
0: <laughs> and the word for an unstaged photo. Yes. <laughs> unlike me apparently so any what's our what's our portuguese update carla it's been a while since we've talked to you how are things going across the pond well gotta say I across the pond
2: it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going well as well as is, as expected i guess um so we're i don't know if you've if you've been told about it, but we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> it's hit us too. Yeah. Um, so we're now, we have curfew rules, and especially on weekends, mm-hmm. you're not allowed outside from one o'clock onwards. Okay. On weekends.
0: So uh, do people f- follow these PM. rules?
2: Mostly yes, wow. we're very rule. We're a very rule-abiding people. <laughs> uh, there's a lot less um, rejection towards these rules. I mean, we've had a full lockdown in March, yeah. as everyone else. Um, for well, it lasted from the middle of March until beginning of May, and it was full, full on. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, well, we had we've had a quiet summer. It's been mostly fine, but now it's winter again. So things started escalating and school started and all that. Sure. A lot of factors have gone into that. Um, and now we're we were in the middle of some stricter rules so that we can have at least Christmas. With relatives. Oh, sure, that makes sense. Close family, so we've been subjected to these rules for the last, say, month, month and a half, mm-hmm. to try and restrict um, circulation as much as, as much as possible. But mm-hmm. people still go to work if they have to, if they can if they can't uh, do home office. And kids are still going to school, but it's, it's really much more restricted than mm. it was during the summer. And, and that's it. I'm, I'm working in home office, mm-hmm. so I've been locked up for a long time now.
0: <laughs> but you're weathering the storm, which is what we like to see.
2: Yes. Well, it's been, you know, it's tough because you realize people die every day, but it's not, well, this is, this is going to sound bad, but it's not frightening numbers. I mean, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah,
2: one is frightening because you never want people to die if they weren't meant to or didn't have to, but well, it's, it's, it's worrying but manageable, I'd say. That's and good. hospitals are getting better coping because there was a moment there before we went into this new uh, well, lockdown or half lockdown that the hospitals were really struggling to keep up. Yeah. And that was the, the worst part of it. And now we're hoping to have Christmas <laughs>
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Brayden, have you seen any of the, um, like, I don't know if you get from Hannah any information about kind of how hospitals are, because she's not in, like, a full-on general hospital at this point.
1: Yeah, right? so, yeah, she, um, it's kind of crazy, the timing. Like, right before we uh, moved, she was in, she was on a unit where uh, she 100% would have been on, like, the front front lines, yeah. um, at least in Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we moved right before all this started happening. So mm-hmm. she, uh, she's in an outpatient setting now in a, um, chemo, um, chemotherapy and like hematology center. Um, so like every day is kind of locked down in, yeah. in those types of facilities cause everyone's immunocompromised. So, um, not a whole lot has changed within there. Um, I mean, I know she's got a good her Her college roommate works on the North side of Indianapolis in a hospital there. And, um, she is in, uh, basically her unit got turned into a COVID unit and, uh, yeah. sounds like they've had a pretty rough go of it. Um, they're pretty worn out. Um, but like Carla was saying, I think it's similar. Like it's, it's, alarming and obviously like they had kind of predicted a second wave from the beginning, but I think the hospitals are
0: better prepared. That's good this time around. So that's good. Yeah. I just kind of see like the national numbers of deaths and stuff. And at least a couple weeks ago, it was, it was not great. <clears throat> so it's good to yeah. know that we're a little more prepared on this Harry Potter podcast. We're covering chapters 20 through 22 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows today. Um, Harry and Ron and Hermione are isolated, much like we are in the 21st century now. So there's some parallels to, to be made. You see the loneliness, for sure, and the, the feeling of isolation, I guess. Um, but that's not necessarily the crux, of, the crux of what these chapters are about. So we'll just kind of get into it. Um, chapter 20, Xenophilius Lovegood. I feel like I should do like a recap or something. This is the chapter where they go and talk to Luna's dad. Um, Brayden, I have some questions for you about this chapter. Carla, if you have questions, I would love for you to ask them. And I would love for you to answer my questions for Brayden as well. But they'll make less sense because you've read the books before. (laughs) Um, So my question is for Bryn, what expectations did you have going into this When they're walking up to Zeno Lovegood's house, is this kind of what you were thinking Luna's dad was going to be like? Or, like, Luna's house was going to be like? I know we've met him before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I knew that uh, part of the fun of this chapter would be the picture painted by J.K.R. of of the house Mm -hmm. and the surrounding area. Um, And just, I knew there would be, like, crazy off-the-wall stuff inside. And um, so that was... That was fun. I think I did have a feeling of uncertainty going in knowing, but not for, like, I was surprised by how, like, the result of yeah. where that uncertainty was supposed to go. But um, I, I was walking in thinking, like, okay, he is um, an independent news source or manages an independent news source right now in an environment where news and media are being taken over. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's probably like his days of just being able to freely print, uh, the truth or, or whatever he wants are probably numbered. So I didn't think going in that it was going to be a a trap. Like I would have had more faith in, uh, Xenophilius before this. Um, not to say that I, like he's, he was put in a very tough spot with his daughter being taken ransom, but, um, that's I didn't see that coming. I was more thinking like they would get into the house and Zeno would be like dead or something and Luna would have like <laughs> left a note of like, had to had to get the heck out of here. Like, I'll catch up with you
0: guys some other time. <laughs> Somehow an even darker scenario than what actually happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's kind of where this, the end of this series and the end of this book is headed. Like, especially with, well, you know, we'll get to the Deathly Hallows kind of, fairy book, fairy tale thing that they tell the kids later chapters, but
0: mm-hmm. um, that, that gets kind of dark as well. Mm, yeah, that's fair. What about you, Carlo? Does Zeno <laughs> make sense as Luna's dad, the dynamic? Well, you're like, oh, okay, I can see how a person like Luna would come from from yes. him.
2: well, exactly. <laughs> He's exactly what you would ex- expect from, well, Luna's dad and also the editor of the Quibbler. So, Mm -hmm. a lot of weird theories flying around, and also he's a very free spirit, like his daughter.
0: Very open-minded.
2: Yes. And as Brayton said, he was in a very tough position, and I'm not going to judge him for his choices, because... who can say we wouldn't make exactly the same choices if if someone we loved was in, in danger that way.
1: Yeah, because I think, I think Zeno can also probably could have spun it in his head um, or justified it in his head of like, look, I'm going to sell Harry out in hopes of keeping my daughter alive, but I will do the bare minimum in hopes that Harry will be in the best position he can be to like sneak out of it or defend himself.
2: Yeah. And if a and if a kid has got to suffer, why does it have to be his daughter?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: A kid is gonna be in trouble no matter what. Yeah. The instinct is to protect the one the one kid you raised. Right? The the one you love.
1: Yeah. And I mean it's Harry's battle to fight. Like Luna's not the one in the prophecy or, you know, connected to Voldemort, so mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And he, he did try to be helpful. He did try to uh, to answer the the questions they had for him. Yeah,
0: yeah that's kind of a so, question that Hermione has later is, do we think that he was even giving the real story? Like when he says, oh, it's related to this fairy tale. And Ron's like, yeah, it's hard to make things up. It's like, that's kind of a weak defense, I guess. That was kind of going to be a question that I had later for Braden. Do we think, do we think Zeno was trying to be sincerely helpful?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean where I've landed as Harry kind of processes through all the information given to him from Zeno, um, it makes sense to me and my like I don't think it's that far of a jump of like the way like when you know the the part of the chapter where we're basically in Harry's head as he like puts all the details in order. Yeah. And is kind of starting to like ignore Hermione as she tries to tell him like, Hey, it's it's not real. Right. It's not real. I didn't feel like it was that far of a reach. Um, and the kind of the theme coming back to the theme we've been talking through for like the last I don't know how many chapters, but like, what else do they have to go on?
0: Yeah. Grasping at straws.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. It's, um, it's not exactly a crystal clear picture of where to head next, or, you know, there is uh, element of fictional storytelling or, or, um, you know, it's, it's not like a, Oh, and before Dumbledore died, he, this is no Zeno talking, like, he told me to tell you this.
0: Yeah. I knew you'd come someday. Here is a scroll yeah. from Dumbledore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so it's kind of a puzzle being put together, but I, I'm not ready to uh, write him off as a total liar just yet. Because I do, like we've been talking about, I think if... If he was able to, in the moment, make the decision of like, okay, I'm going to do what's best for my daughter, but I don't want to basically hand over Harry Potter's life for him either. Um, I'll, I'll give him the best information I can give him before I yeah. basically have to sell him out. Um, that makes sense in my head. Of, of the little we know and the, character, the little character background we have of the Love Goods, like
0: it makes sense to me. It's a way you can rationalize it yeah. from like a morality standpoint for sure. Yeah. Um I was going to ask on kind of a more lighthearted note. So he, like Zeno's a weird dude. Like he's got a bunch of weird stuff in his house. Yeah. What's the most appropriate parallel? Like what would we call what if you met this guy what would you call him? Would you call him a hippie? Is that appropriate? Is that an appropriate term? Would you call him an eccentric does he fit into like an established social or societal definition that we have
1: uh, eccentric probably I don't know what do you think Carla
2: I was thinking eccentric is a good word um, yeah. I think that if he existed in the muggle world mm mm-hmm. I can see him owning a second hand bookshop. Okay. And yeah, just dressing different. <laughs> dressing like like he wants to, not yeah. like he has to. Probably second hand clothes as well, vintage clothes. <laughs> That's how I imagine him.
1: Could we say he's a high functioning sociopath? <laughs> His cheekbones are sure. not high enough. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right.
0: I was gonna say Benedict
1: s- Cumberbatch could play this character.
0: You could say that about any character in the series. Though. I just,
1: I, I just, I don't think you can say it enough.
0: Yeah, I, ben, keep, I keep You could it. see Benedict Cumberbatch like he could train himself to have a lazy eye to play Zeno Love. Absolutely, that wouldn't Absolutely. be a problem. He'd be like, "No, I'm, I'm method acting this one." Yeah. I could see Xenophilius Lovegood being really into, like homeopathy, and essential oils. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like kind of conspiracy theorist.
1: Yeah. Type of person. I was thinking conspiracy conspiracy theorists. Like I was thinking he's probably got a bunker where he's like prepared for, you know, months of not having any food or water. But he's preparing. Uh,
0: he's preparing with food that is not good. He's got a bunch of that gourdy right. root infusion down there. Right right yeah he's not Uh, doing it well but he's trying to do it
1: he's probably also what he he would probably self label as like an inventor yeah and he's he's probably got like this garage full of just like stupid stuff that he's like come up with that solves really no one's problems yeah or not common problems but he's like no this works like we're gonna make it big
0: it's a stew pickles situation
2: yeah yeah there you go (laughs) Now that you mentioned that, uh, one one of the things that I do to pass the time is watch videos on YouTube about stuff that is sold in uh, reviews, videos that mm-hmm. are reviews of stuff sold on Amazon that most of the times is absolute garbage. Right. And I get so worked up about that because it's so wasteful to make all of those <laughs> things that it already exists and it works very well why are you trying to complicate it and to make it not work it's it's well (laughs) i get really (laughs) mad about that about all the waste
0: do you have a good example (laughs) for us of one of these
2: it's mostly the ones i watch are mostly kitchen gadgets you know Mm. like peelers Mm -hmm. you have a peeler it's a simple thing it's got a handle and the the metal part that peels and that's all you need and then they come up with all these ideas very complicated ideas about to, to peel something and um stuff to whisk eggs Like when you, you know, there's a whisker for eggs and stuff like that. That's really smart because it's a lot of, uh, I don't know what to call them. But I've always
1: felt that the whisk is way too simple. Like there's a lot of innovation that could just be, you know, it's like, why did you guys stop there? (laughs) Yeah.
2: The thing is, the the stuff that you're trying to do is not evolving. So why is the stuff that you're trying to do it with, evolving because where is it going nowhere because it, the the problem already has a solution and it, it's usually the best solution yeah. because mm-hmm. it's already been tried for a long time
1: Confucius say if it ain't broke
0: don't fix it don't yeah. fix
2: it exactly yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to picture a whisk that's a ball like it's it's whisk all the way around and then you like lock it into a double-sided bowl like a dome and then you shake it and within so you got your egg in there and you got your whisk ball and then you just
3: mm-hmm.
2: but you see that already exists as well. You know those weight protein stuff. Yeah, a blender there's, bottle. There's blender a I just invented a blender yeah. bottle.
0: You're right. Wow. Yeah. I just so, use a fork to whisk <laughs> my eggs, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Or a fork. It works just as well. Just but if you wanna be fancy hand. about it, go yeah. ahead and use a whisk. Oh we have whisk. What you don't do, have yeah. to do is something to, to come up with something that you need to plug in to a oh, socket.
1: No. A motorized whisk. Wow.
2: Yeah. I that's, don't want to
1: have to turn my wrist. That's a hand blender.
2: <sighs> sure. But that's useful as well. But I'm I'm talking about stuff that's completely different and pointless. Really useless. Just a waste of uh, resources. Like, the, a-
0: you know those Apple corers? That like will you just push it down <gasps> on the top of the apple? Oh
2: yeah, they yeah. have
0: those for like okay. they have those for like melons and pizzas. They
2: have exactly they have those for watermelons. Yeah, just you have to like stomp yesterday.
0: on them. <laughs> you, I imagine you like dive. I don't know.
2: It, no, the thing is, a watermelon can be really a huge fruit, and then you just it place creeps. those cutters on top of them, and it nobody's strong enough to push them down I defy you you. (laughs) yeah so in in this video I was watching the guy had to hit it over and over again until it got (laughs) to the bottom yeah and what did you get a sliced watermelon yeah
0: they could have put so much less effort into
2: (laughs) do you know what he used to to cut the bottom and the top part so that the watermelon would sit straight a knife use the knife yes why why wasn't that knife good enough to cut slices? I don't get it. I really don't get it. And it makes me so angry. you don't know you don't even know
0: so <laughs> you like need to record team. like response videos to these.
1: hey, rogie, real hmm. quickly, can I get the uh the no. beef sounder?
0: yeah, of course cool ones. <laughs> <laughs> Did Carla on your feed? (laughs) I needed that. Did those not line up at all? Because on my feed it was like, Braden's beep, Carla's.
2: (laughs) (laughs) On my feed it it sounded like, Braden's (laughs) Carla's.
0: We'll fix it in post. All of Braden's Carla's. No, we will not fix that in post. We'll fix it in post. (laughs) I would watch. I would watch, I would subscribe. I don't subscribe to a lot of YouTube channels because I don't spend a lot of time just on YouTube, but I would subscribe to a channel called Carla's Beefs where it's her, (laughs) it's like a picture in picture where you can see the video she's watching and her being like, oh no, no, you don't need that. No, they already have, they already invented the knife.
2: That reminds me of Uncle Roger. Have you ever watched an Uncle Roger movie? Uh, movie, I don't know what that uh, is. Video. Yeah, it's just a guy that watches famous chefs Mm -hmm. cooking uh, Asian stuff. And he complains about the way they cook Asian stuff, like (laughs) when they use uh, Western ingredients or Western techniques in Asian uh, plates. So it's funny. He he does it as comedy. It's not not a real beef. I guess it could be. Somehow, a a little bit of a beef that just got into a comedic um, number.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) But that's how I would do it. An Uncle Mm -hmm. (laughs) Roger-style complaint video.
1: Uncle Carla. That's the name of your channel.
0: (laughs) But (laughs) she has to be in, like, makeup, like Uncle Drew. The Kyrie (laughs) Irving movie, where he's a basketball player that is, like an elderly person for some reason. Okay. Yeah. That's just what I think Sometimes. of when I think of uncle. Yeah. So Never saw
1: that actual movie.
0: No, of course you didn't. Reggie Miller was even in it and it, that still wasn't enough to get me out. I didn't even know yeah, that. He and Shaq and somebody else. Anyway, um, I wanted to backtrack slightly A lot of this chapter is actually not about Xeno Lovegood. It's about them deciding to go visit Xeno Lovegood. Um, And there's a scene in which... uh, I'm looking on page... Let's see, I don't have enough light here. 391. Um, It's about Harry trying to use the Blackthorn Wand... And it's just not working very well. He can't make the spider do what he wants. He can't move the pebbles around. And Hermione's like, Harry, you just have to try harder with your wand. So my question for you, Braden, is a very simple one. How do wands work? Um,
1: well, when she says that you have to try harder, most of your wand power comes from your core So you really want to squeeze the glutes and really like push through your core and grip the wand as tight as possible um, and scrunch up your face, Mm -hmm. like really grit your teeth. And the more force you can exert, bodily force, while holding the wand, typically the more successful and the more powerful the uh, said curse
0: or spell results to be. So you want to like get close to giving yourself a hernia.
1: (laughs) Well, there's there's proper technique to ensure that doesn't happen. It's a SpongeBob you know, it's, reference. Uh, technique, yeah. technique. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to get into like you know the breathing techniques and things like that. That's not what the listeners you have to are here for. The breathing. But breathing.
2: That's yeah. That's yeah, that's, that's vital.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Breathing's just as important as the um, the exertion um, so through this
0: is the a, core. A Pilates situation. Yeah. Very similar, yeah. Pilates. Get out of here with that pronunciation, okay? If you're going to want me to pronounce it Pilates, you don't get to spell it like that.
1: How do you want to say it? When Pil- you it?
0: Pilates. Pilates.
1: Pilates. I can go with you as far as like Pilates, but Pilates. If there was a second T,
0: I could see Pilates. It looks like Lates. I don't know. Pilots. Pontius Pilate in the Bible spells his name that way. That's true. I mean, it's not him. His name is spelled. Anyway, I'm I'm just, it's beefing up. Carla's beefs, Uncle Carla's beefs, but and then my beef. Pilot, like flying a plane, is uh-huh.
1: P-I-L-O-T. Agreed. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs>
0: just plain devil's advocate. I'm going to spell a just word set for that you. Out there for you, you know? <laughs> just want to just want to spell pilot real quick. <laughs> so Harry's got a blackthorn wand. Do we care about this wand, Brayden? Um
1: I I don't think it's like like it doesn't seem like it's working real great for him, right?
0: Yeah. So Maybe, I don't think maybe he's just tired, he's full, it's late, yeah, his wand just isn't
1: working't
0: yeah, he hasn't ideal. Been
1: getting enough has him getting enough carbs or you know the right the right grams of protein yeah. in his diet to yeah. really um, you know like he's not getting gains from his previous wand
0: workouts. His gains have been yeah. suboptimal yeah. <laughs> for sure <laughs> Carla, have you noticed? the trend in which every do, do we care that I asked Braden he, his answer is basically, well, I didn't until you said that, but like, uh, I guess I should.
1: <laughs> Cause I feel like <laughs> yes. that's
0: how it goes when, when we've been doing, because, do we Cares because lately. as
1: a reader, I don't care until I have to care. Right. right. So like, if it's just a, it's it's just two sentences about like and then and then Harry used this wand and it didn't work so well and then they went to Xenophilius Lovegood's house it's kind of like well all right I guess it's not working that well
0: I would read that synopsis of you being like and then Zeno was like oh and then they went and lived in a tent and then and Ron was back I guess
2: <laughs> it'd be a much shorter book yeah. that's for sure
0: yeah. I'd be happy to put
1: together some content for you in that area of just me, like, just, just, just splaining stuff. You explaining to apostrophe Hannah. Apostrophe S-P-L-A. <laughs> I didn't. Spl-
0: splainin'. Just splaining.
2: brandon splaining. Brandon-splain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, that's pretty much what I had. Do we care about any of the specific weird items at Zeno's house?
1: We care about the thing on the wall that exploded. And, like, why is he hanging things
0: that have <laughs> We dynamite. posthumously care. Well, uh, I
2: care about the painting, the painting in Luna's room.
0: I was... I have a potentially controversial question coming up next chapter that involves that painting, so... Uh, we'll okay. put a pin in that for sure. But I definitely mm-hmm. want to hear your thoughts on it. Um, do we care about the weird crown thing on the bust of Rowena Ravenclaw got a couple of proud Ravenclaws here with you Brayden crown on top of yeah there's a statue of of Rowena Ravenclaw in his living room and he like attaches (laughs) dirigible plums and there's some like wings coming out of it and Harry and Ron are like that looks dumb why you got a dumb thing on top of that and he's like oh it's to make you wiser
2: Sort of a headdress or something like
0: that,
2: yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't take a ton of stock into all the various weird things that were described because as we were walking into this house, it was like I kinda had my mind prepped for just bizarre like just a full page, two pages of just bizarre descriptions of yeah. weird
0: so Yeah, we haven't even said anything about How the entire house is curved It says like the sink and the oven Are built in a curve That's wild
1: I find corners unnecessary That's an expensive choice
2: I was going to say that It's very expensive Because everything has to be custom made right?
0: I guess you can just be like You can build a square house and then go Curvify And maybe it curves
2: (laughs) I'm sure that's the spell I
0: believe that's how that works uh, so that's that's chapter 20. Um, I don't have... We do have a Howl, but I think it might be in text message form. No, it's in voice form. Um, we'll pull it up after next chapter because I don't have the Bluetooth hooked up yet, as far as I know. So uh, we'll just kind of move right along like a Muppet to chapter 21. And these these two chapters, I think kind of get plugged into one another because it's just like, okay, we meet him and then we have the conversation. The only conversation you remember with him occurs in this chapter, basically. So, um, uh, all of our readers know, I mean, we don't have to go through the details of the tale of the three brothers. Um, so Braden, do you believe in the Halos? I do. I do. Um,
1: I think the story, I don't think it's like, uh, I forget, I don't know the right wording to use for this. I don't think it's like this physically happened, like word for word, you know, this is a firsthand account.
2: You think it's Uh, an allegory? Yes, that's the
1: word I'm looking for, I think.
0: Is that right, Rogi? Allegory. Yeah, an allegory is like more metaphorical, I think. An allegory is like a metaphor. An allegory is like a metaphor. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. That's what I think. Works for me. I was I gonna say more of a parable, but I don't think this is a. Is it a parable? It could be a parable. I guess. Could be.
1: Yeah. Like I think there's truth to pull out of it. I don't yeah. think it's a. Um... I think it's more representative than it is mm-hmm. meant to be taken as. Like,
2: it's not realistic, but yeah. it's close. It it represents the physical world. Mm-hmm. In yeah, some
0: way. you have to take yeah. the text in its context, cross the principalizing bridge. Okay, whenever there's like ancient text, you got to figure out is that is this supposed to be. Like literally descriptive or is it poetic or is it prophetic or that's every I've just said everything I remember from scripture and interpretation, a class I took as a sophomore in college.
1: I can't imagine there being more than you
0: needed to know from that. That seems like the gist. We called it skirpinterpinterp. Skip turp. <laughs> oh no, I can't I gotta go to skirp turp. It's pretty good. So we believe work. in them. We believe in <laughs> the principles of the story. Do you believe that the items as described in the story exist in present day <laughs> wizarding world?
1: So we've got the elder wand. I do believe in that. I do believe that's what Voldemort's looking for. Um, and I support that with... Uh, knowing that he tortured Ollivander and uh, a second wand guy, right?
0: Yeah. What's his name?
1: No idea. Don't remember. You
0: knew it at one point. He made crumbs wand.
1: Yeah. I'm blanking. Anyways, he, uh, he tortured both wand guys. Wanting some info on where the Elder Wand is, so I believe in that. Um, the invisibility cloak, like Harry's explanation of that with Voldemort. Uh, sorry, Dumbledore taking it to he have it, having it in his possession to basically like see if that's what it, if it was, you know, verifying. Yeah, he was like examining it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the third one was the stone, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm which he thinks is inside, potentially inside the snitch that Dumbledore left for him.
0: Yeah, but the stone brings people back from the dead. Is that, is that a viable option? That's, been, that's one of the main rules of magic that, we, that we've always known, is that you can't bring people back from the dead.
1: Yeah. So that's the harder one to wrap your mind around. Um but like that would make sense that that's the final battle, right? Because the whole idea is that Harry and Voldemort can't exist together.
0: Neither can live while the other survives. Right.
1: And I think Voldemort kind of represents death as a whole. Okay. Um, so bring the it idea, home. bring it home. The idea that he would want that in his possession, probably just for for personal use, right? Like he, like he's. I don't know how you would use that on yourself. Casual reanimation
0: of corpses.
1: Well, I mean, like, he's... He's going to horcrux himself. He's seeking all-powerful immortality, right? Uh Uh-huh. So, I don't know how exactly this stone works, but, like, if it's in your possession,
0: can you revive yourself? (laughs) So, Carla. I don't think this episode has come out yet, but Braden is on record as thinking that Voldemort turned Harry into a horcrux, right? So that leads me to this new question of, could one turn oneself into a horcrux? Now hear me out. You can't be killed until you are first killed. So, paradox. (laughs)
2: Divide by zero.
0: Yeah, exactly. Can't do it You split your soul And you make Your own Physical body A Vessel Storing your soul Which it already was But now it is In two different ways
2: But in that case I think it's It would still Be possible To kill you Because But you couldn't be killed Until you were first killed Sure but first, you have to be killed like you would, like, in a way, in the same way that you would destroy a Horcrux.
0: With with the Sword of Gryffindor. With the Sword of Gryffindor. It would make it sure. be an Achilles situation.
2: And then what happens is that the Horcrux is gone, because once the vessel is damaged beyond repair, uh-huh. the Horcrux is gone. And then you just kill the person. Or you can just cut his head in the first place and I guess not with a regular sword though it'd have to be with a (laughs) goblin sword sure with with that sword
0: so it would just narrow down the options of what someone could use to kill you
2: sure it's smart that way because there's only a handful of things or just one particular thing that would be able to kill you
0: yeah Something to think about.
1: And That's why he put it at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Because he was like, well, I don't, want, I don't want this thing just floating around in
0: society when it's the only thing that'll be able to kill me eventually. Oh, the sword. So Voldemort put the sword in the lake. <laughs> and Voldemort, who is capable of casting a Patronus, like an emotional embodiment of happiness and joy, uh, and his happens to be a female deer leads Harry to it. Well, well no. Voldemort no. put it there and someone else led him to it. Yeah. Okay. Who? Hagrid. Hagrid's really good at magic, that's a good point.
1: Hagrid is like my Sunday school answer. Like when you just answer <laughs> Jesus for every question, I just answer Hagrid. Hagrid.
2: It wasn't a, it wasn't a female deer. It was a unicorn. You just didn't see the shiny horn.
0: That's and- a that's a pretty good that's Hagrid's theory. Patronus is a unicorn? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Hagrid is yeah. a unicorn. Not going to get another Hagrid. You could get a female French Hagrid, but that's different. Hmm. <laughs> Contemplating the value of the statements that have been made? <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, So to answer your question, I I do believe in the Hallows. Okay. I feel like we wouldn't name this book The Deathly Hallows if uh, there wasn't some legitimacy to it.
0: I mean, the last book was called Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of it, Harry thought that either he or his dad was a Half-Blood Prince. And but it
1: didn't take away from the, the half blood Prince being a real thing.
0: I'm just saying the book wasn't called Harry Potter and the Time Dumbledore Died. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the main thing, you know?
1: No, but it seems like it'll be the main thing here.
0: Okay. Order of a the part Phoenix. Of the main thing. Calling Order of the Phoenix, Order of the Phoenix, low-key, is like. I feel like I could have come up with a better name for that book: Harry Wait, Potter and the Department of Mysteries. I don't know.
2: Well, it would have blown the whole mystery. Harry Potter the book and the mysterious veil. What he was seeing. Yeah. Harry I Potter figured.
0: and kindness to house elves.
2: <laughs> Harry Potter and Spew.
0: Yeah. Harry Potter and the toad like woman. Yeah. I don't like any of these as much
3: Just as the original. top of, Phoenix. of my head.
0: Okay, here's my controversial question. So, L- Zeno goes downstairs, and Harry just starts wandering around. He goes up to Luna's room, and he realizes that it's all dusty, and that's how he figures out Luna wasn't there. Um, but before he realizes that, he's like, Oh, Luna's my friend, because she like, wrote the word friends a bunch of times and stuff. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but do we care about Luna? I do. In... <laughs> At this point in the story, how much of our heart is like, oh man, yeah, that's right, Luna. Like, like, does it does does it hit you, or does it feel contrived at all?
1: No, I I echo like I I would feel the same way that Carla does. Like, I I care about Luna. Luna's probably one of my favorite characters after seeing her first appearance in the movies. Um, and I think she is. While she's not necessarily a part of the quad squad, she's like special reserve number one like she's she's pretty loyal and can be pretty helpful.
0: Neville still being included in the quad squad is like an absolute coup. he Neville has not done a lot of quad squad based activities in years.
1: No, I'm trying to think of like what athlete to compare him to. Yeah, never like somebody that gets like gets credit for just being on a great team but doesn't do anything. He's the
0: James Jones of the quad squad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's a great one. Yeah. Or literally any of the other Lakers other than LeBron.
0: (laughs) Oh. Yeah. (sighs) I'm just thinking that James Jones even specifically followed LeBron like to multiple stops and hung on for titles um, with him, you know.
1: Yeah. And I I a bit of an oversight there,
0: Anthony Davis. You know, he did a little bit too. KCP, you know, had that one game. Okay, so we care about Luna. We definitely for sure care about Luna.
1: Yeah, we care about Luna.
0: Okay. So so it it hit you in the feels a little bit when you were like, friends, like, oh, man, look how important we are to her. That got to you? A
1: little bit. There was also a certain small element of creepiness, like how long did she sit in there just like writing friends? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of one of those weird like...
0: Mannerisms? Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't know.
1: There's a little bit of psychopath <laughs> sprinkled in there, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. But
0: like a little bit of horror movie like we're gonna be friends forever yeah, that kind of thing <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm driving at like I mean yeah. the super pale light blonde hair like giant eyes thing doesn't help right right so, okay um,
2: I think Lu- Luna is is really great and things that would look creepy on anyone else don't really with her because she's already very different from everyone else i mean she recognized harry at the wedding that's true (laughs) i mean she doesn't work on the same level as everyone else does she's like the embodiment of purity and goodness and spontaneity it's really there's nobody else like her in the harry potter universe i don't think
0: I mean you're yeah, you're almost hard pressed to come up with people from any other canon like she's like she's Mary Mary Poppins is kind she's of that an, way. Yeah, she's, she's like a yeah.
2: From from Tolkien from yeah. Middle Earth. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's very pure like that. Very oh well, spontaneous. Yeah. There's no filter there. And it's great. Very <laughs> fay. Yes, exactly.
0: All right. Um, We kind of already touched on this next question a little bit, but my question was: When did you know? At what point did you start to be like, "I think Luno's, I think Zeno's going to do him dirty here"?
1: When he said, "When it when it describes there being dust like on the bed," I think it was. Mm -hmm. I that's when I knew. That's when it was like, okay, she hasn't been here in a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as soon as, as soon as Harry starts questioning, like you're kind of like arriving at the point with Harry, you know what I mean? Like you're putting together all the details. It's like, it's like when Sherlock is finally like everything's clicking when he's, when he's solving the case. Um. See? And so then, yeah. As soon as like he 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 find, he like picks up on those details, it's like, oh nope, something's off here. This isn't right. And then when Zeno all of a sudden's like standing in the doorway, like to me that was like the okay. He's made a clear like physical, like, hey, let's uh let's let's get let's have dinner here. You know why? Where are you going? What are you doing? Let's just all kind of eat
0: right here where we can all see each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Def- So yeah, I definitely knew something was off as soon as Harry started putting together the. Really, the the dust on the bed for me was like oh, okay, like this isn't yeah. It's not like she's been gone for a couple of days, and he's just not really sure. And he didn't. He was embarrassed to admit that. It's like she's been gone. She's out a
0: on a bender. So <laughs> yeah. you you basically noticed when you were supposed to notice. Like, I mean, like, that's the first, like, this is a clue that Luna's not here. And then Harry notices immediately, right? I wasn't sure if you had caught on, like, he's like, she's, yeah, she's fishing, you know. You know, Luna, <laughs> like, out fishing. I thought it was fishing.
1: weird that he kept saying
0: that. Yeah. Um, Should almost be done fishing by now. Caught plenty of plimpies.
1: Yeah. And that he, I mean, like, I have two little sisters, so I I guess I'm more my mind works like this, but like, I guess it was weird reading that and thinking like, you just sent your daughter to go like fishing somewhere by herself, like without any kind of communication or like, you don't really know when she's supposed to be back.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's 16.
2: And also the brilliance about this is that they're very eccentric. So you kind of get used to not being taken aback with almost anything that yeah. comes from the love goods because they're very different from everyone else. Yeah. On, exer- uh, on excursions to find the crumpled something snorkak.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I would say I found out when I was supposed to, I it, it was another one of those situations where as soon as you realize what's going on, It's like, oh, yeah, there were some giveaways. There were some
0: hints, for sure. (laughs) Ah, you got me again, JK. Well played. Um, We kind of already touched on sort of the finale. Um, Ron and Harry are very impressed with Hermione about, like, putting the... Putting the cloak over Ron and letting them see Harry and stuff like that. Like how they kind of yeah. escaped.
1: She needed that. She needed that performance after breaking Harry's wand. Got another one in the win column. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she took, she took an L breaking the wand.
0: but. Um, but And again, we already discussed sort of the morality of, you know, we understand that <laughs> Zeno is scared and desperate and so that's why he tried to sell Harry out it's almost an amusing paragraph where they're like oh you're calling us here again last week you called us out to offer proof that there were crumple faced bobcats you know like come on dude (laughs) give me some good info (coughs) so anyway that's the end of that chapter Uh, We've got chapter 22, The Deathly Hallows. But first, a word from another well-known source. Good evening, gentlemen. It's
3: Chad, long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) Um,
1: Welcome back to the podcast, Airways. And congratulations
0: on your new homes just finished up listening to episode 75, and I thought if you guys have not already done it on an episode that we haven't
1: heard yet, uh, now would be a good time to get some updated predictions from Mr. Brayton on how he thinks this whole thing's going to uh, end up. Anyway, have a wonderful evening. Talk to you guys soon.
0: Thank you. Uh, who, was it was it Chad? I'm not sure. I didn't quite catch the name. Did you? Do you guys know who it was that called in? Or? Doesn't I
1: believe no. Yeah, I believe he said Brad.
0: Okay, thanks, Brad. Um, <laughs> I appreciate taking time out of revving your motorcycle to call us. Um, he was with Hagrid, <laughs> chasing a unicorn. Hagrid jokes Chad grid Chad grid Chad grid Wow That's huge
1: Fireworks Going off in the head right now
0: Yeah Chad grid Chad grid Um No but I always like a good excuse To make Braden predict stuff We've sort of been getting it In dribs and drabs Like oh so you think You know Harry's gonna live Or Harry's gonna die Or Voldemort's gonna die Or whatever Um and we did some predictions at the beginning of the book, but didn't know if you had any updated concrete predictions about what's gonna happen here at the end. Any anyone in the anyone in the trio gonna die? Do I think Ron, Harry, or
1: Hermione will die? Yeah. Um I think there's some probability that uh, that Ron will
0: redeem himself by like jumping in front of a bullet for Harry.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely be like a sacrifice
0: situation.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and as the light left his eyes, he clicked the deluminator, and the ball of light went back into his heart, <laughs> and he breathes his last.
1: <sighs> yeah, I could I could see that. I think there's some. Some argument to be had for that possible scenario.
0: Um, You've made some noise in the past about Hagrid potentially dying.
1: Yeah, that's another one that seems like definitely a a really easy heartstrings puller, like sacrifice at the end. Um,
0: Find a a father figure, kill him. Find a father figure, kill him.
1: Yeah, yep, yep, kind of the theme here. Um, I don't think Harry or Hermione are going to die
0: Um, what about Voldemort and Bella Snape hmm. Malfoy
1: I think Snape will die the same way Alan Rickman did in Die Hard like he'll just fall off a building
0: (laughs) I have not seen Die Hard
1: uh, what? Have we- <laughs> uh, well it's that time of year you'll be able to exactly. see it pretty much anywhere on tv you want to so i
0: would <laughs> i would get that one checked off the list i did speaking of lists um it's an open secret what the next podcast we're planning on doing it's more of like a podcast family because it wouldn't be just braden we could have just whoever on to talk about movies um, but I did make a big list of movies I want to watch, and then another big list of movies that I don't like. Want to go out of my way to watch, but I would be willing to watch because I think it would be useful for a podcast. The very first one on the list is Die Hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, that's one that everyone has an opinion on. Yeah. And uh, you know, annually gets debated on whether or not it's a Christmas movie. So yeah. it's just fun to have. To have some kind of dog in the fight there
0: so mm-hmm. I've never seen it But I do feel like I'm definitely going to fall On the side of it not being a Christmas movie Just to get that out there
1: Yeah, I've heard really good Arguments for both sides I would say I'm somewhere in the middle I don't know, I don't really care I don't think it has to be defined one way or the other mm-hmm. But um, it does always show at Christmas time It occurs, the story occurs during Christmas um, That's about as far as it goes As connecting to Christmas Yeah <laughs> Um, But man, the people who think it's a Christmas movie will fight you to the death on that. All right. It's crazy. It's fun to listen to those arguments. I usually catch one or two on the radio, like somebody calling into something like an AM sports show. It usually comes up like they have nothing to talk about. Every other sports kind of dead. It's like you're waiting on the NBA to start. Like maybe it's a bye week for that city's NFL team. And they're just like, well, it's that time of year is Die Hard a Christmas movie. And yeah. then, like somebody calls in has just like been
0: waiting all year. They've been building their defense. Mm-hmm. See, I'd be much I more interested no. in it's that time of year, is a hot dog a sandwich.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. no opinion one way or the other about it being a Christmas movie, but I like to say it just because it makes a lot of people mad
1: those yes. people
2: that don't think it's a christmas yes. movie mm-hmm.
1: yeah it is fun to just fi- try to like subtly figure out what side of the, the aisle like someone like Rogie is on and then just like put some passive-aggressive like triggered just saving out them, there yeah. like yeah
2: we <laughs> poke it yeah. <laughs> until <Yeah>. it blows
1: <laughs> yeah like, well can't can't open the presents this year until we watch die hard obviously <laughs>
0: we will we'll have to have to do that one. It it goes the list of movies that I think makes sense for me to do for fiber it, it starts with Die Hard and goes to Braveheart. Um mm. The Big Lebowski. I've never seen. I haven't either. Blade oh, Runner.
2: You have to. Dude.
0: Yeah, the dude.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's uh, Jeff Bridges or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. Clock, Clockwork Orange.
2: Oh, it's great. Yeah. The book is even better. Yeah.
0: Independence Day. Have we talked about that one? Oh, wow. Independence Day. A, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a Will Smith vehicle, I think. Yep. Animal yeah.
1: House. I haven't seen that either. I would like to watch that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I just went through a list of like the most famous movies, like the biggest or most popular, highest grossing movies. Went through a bunch of those lists and was like, oh, I haven't seen that or that or that. So, yeah. Yeah. Some good ones on here. Goodwill Hunting. I'd love to see.
1: Yeah, got a got a special place in my heart for Goodwill Hunting. Yeah.
0: So, I like I like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. I like Matt Damon too. I feel like
1: Ben Affleck is Die Hard embodied. As far as like the debate on whether it's a Christmas movie or not, like is Ben Affleck good or not?
0: Well, isn't that the the joke about Nick Cage too? Like yes. He has a best yeah. actor win, but like, yeah. is he a yeah. good actor?
1: Exactly. Like, there's definitely facts behind, like, you know, like he has statistics showing that he is yeah. good at what he does, yeah. but people still want to say like he's not
0: because he's not always. <laughs> Sometimes he's <laughs> exactly.
1: wild. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's another one of those debates. You know, is a hot dog a sandwich?
2: Yeah, Nicholas Cage is a is a funny. It, well, it's he has a weird career, doesn't he? And, yeah. and I have these friends that have a podcast in Brazil. They're Brazilian, and they have a podcast. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and um their podcast is basically about just things to do in quarantine.
1: Oh, so I was hoping it was March. just all about Nicolas Cage.
2: No, wait, wait, because we're waiting. Uh, their theory is that Nicolas Cage is the yes man. You know that movie where, who is it? The Jim that Carrey movie? Say, J- Jim Carrey, that's it. He has to say <laughs> yes to everything. So their theory is that Nicolas Cage is, has to say yes to everything. And that's why his career looks like that. Um, but then I found out that there's a Brazilian podcast all about... Uh, Nicolas Cage movies Wow (laughs) Every episode they discuss a new (laughs) Nicolas Cage movie And they're now on episode 70 something And it's not even close to be done How is there
1: that much Nicolas Cage content to like analyze
2: They're they're going crazy because they're sick of it But now they have to go through with it
1: (laughs) I love (laughs) that there's a Brazilian niche of Nicolas Cage podcasts Yeah Yep it's, that's that's hilarious.
2: Well, I think that's the only one, but still.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a bit but on community where a character who's like obsessed with movies and TV shows, he watches, he binge watches like, 10 Nicolas Cage movies a day for a, for a few days and like goes crazy and he starts like acting like Nicolas Cage and like overacting and stuff it's pretty good because and it was for a class the professor was like okay we're gonna talk about is he good or not so like you need to watch Nicolas Cage movies but pace yourselves guys no more than one or two a day just watch them slowly like really it's not gonna be good and he just dives into it yeah
1: uh I tried to start community the other night by myself and uh Hannah got mad that I didn't invite her
0: to watch. Good. So she should she should get to watch it. You know, as with any comedy, first few episodes aren't necessarily the you know, the prime. Sure. It hits its you know, hits its stride in season two and three and stuff like that, but So that's where we are with that. Uh, we were on to chapter 22, The Deathly Hallows, unless someone has another. At one point during this conversation, Braden said, Ben Affleck is the embodiment of whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I was like, okay, I'm following you, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I stand by that. Out of context, like, what is what are we saying?
1: Could it have been worded better? <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe.
1: But uh, I stand by the principle.
0: I've got a cousin that looks like Ben Affleck, and that's facts. Here's Ben Affleck. So, there you go.
1: That's another like. That's another side of that argument. Is Ben Affleck
0: good looking? <laughs> Honestly, Ben Affleck in Gone Girl, yes. I like Ben Affleck in Gone. Girl. I like Gone Girl.
2: I like Gone Girl.
0: Have you seen it, I think
2: Ben? A- ben no. Affleck could be anyone else. Could be any other actor. Yeah, yeah. That cat. That. The, the actor could have been anyone else, but Gone Girl is a great film. I liked it. I
0: think he's got his like Ben Affleck smile, like trying to turn on the charm kind of thing. I think he does a good job with it.
2: Oh, sure. He's Ben Afflecking all the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just a, such a head scratcher when they queued him up for the Dark Knight role. Yeah. In those, like, those later. Or I don't remember what Batman film that was that yeah. they were like, oh, and. It was, was kind of like they tried to, like, slip a fast one past us. Like, we're doing this awesome new Batman movie. Like, you guys you guys need to get excited about this. And also, yeah, it's Ben Affleck.
0: Ben Affleck's Batman.
1: But other than that, like, going to be really cool. Like, lots of special effects, really cool director. Supporting cast is awesome. Is
0: that the Batman versus Superman?
1: Uh that sounds right. I've
0: super yeah. not seen it. Yeah, I didn't I haven't either.
2: seen it. Either, but but yes, that's the one where Ben Affleck is Batman. Yeah, I feel like they they kind of went well, we still don't know who Batman's gonna be, but we're gonna cast Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and then we'll see. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting.
1: The one Ben Affleck movie I have seen that I've I was like, he was awesome in that, um, I think it's called The Accountant,
0: it is called The Accountant, where
1: yeah, yeah where he's like a serial or like a assassin, but also an accountant. And he just plays like a real, like he's socially inept, um, but could kill you in like a thousand different ways. Mm
0: -hmm. I thought that one was pretty good. So are there any Ben Affleck roles that would not have been improved by replacing Ben Affleck with Benedict Cumberbatch? Zero. Zero. Benedict Cumberbatch and Gone Girl. He could he could not pull off, like, slightly schlubbified husband that is, like, cheating with a college girl, like one of his students. Like, there's no way. He's wearing his, like, pea coat and scarf, and he's just like, well, yeah, you know, our marriage. Like, you just fall. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's believable I can't, in that role. I,
1: I can't speak to it. How, how do you
0: fall it. out of love with Benedict Cumberbatch? You don't. Yeah, I don't. Not think everyone do. has to fall in love, but once you're there, unless I he mean...
1: tells you to, unless he were to tell <laughs> you to, I think that's really the only scenario where yeah. that could happen.
0: There you go. Okay, we're on chapter twenty-two. It's called "The Deathly Hallows." This is uh, the self-referential title here. Um. So there's not a, like a ton that happens until the very, very end in terms of like events, um, but. It's a lot of Harry. We finally get Moody Harry back. If you loved Order of the Phoenix and you just wish that Harry would be like, you guys don't understand me. Like, you wish that he would do that more. This is a Teenage chapter for you. Harry. Yeah. Harry is yeah. very convinced about this Hallow situation. Voldemort's going after the wand. Harry's got the cloak, His, the stone's in the snitch. Why is Harry As they so say. convinced?
1: Um, I don't know why Harry's so convinced. I think Harry has been just like so desperately wanting. I think Harry, I think this goes back to a father figure thing. Harry keeps having the father figures ripped away from him. And for a long time through for the last, I mean, how many years has he been at Hogwarts now?
0: This this would have been his seventh had he gone
1: seventh. So so six and some six and change years. Dumbledore was kind of in that role, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was a trust built there. Um, and a weird trust that was like not a great communicated trust all the time, but Mm -hmm. like whether or not it looked like it was supposed to in a fatherhood role. It was there. It was built by all they had been through together, mm-hmm. and so I think Harry has this like deep-seated need or or desire to for Dumbledore to come through like he always has mm-hmm. and have the like the weird answer at the end that's really helpful. And so when this this storyline comes in and kind of fits into and you know checks all the boxes in Harry's head, he's like, "Yup." This is what I needed. This is it. Like, I think there's an emotional element to this. And I say that having already said earlier that I believe in it. But I can also acknowledge that I do think Harry... I don't know. This is my personal... The way I think about it, I guess. I, just, I think that he wants so desperately to have that trust in Dumbledore back. And a little bit's been eroded... Because of all this stuff we've been going through the past couple chapters of like the articles written and the rumors around Dumbledore. And um, I just I think Harry wants to be able to restore that faith back in the fatherhood figure that was Dumbledore.
0: And so, yeah,
1: this story comes along and he's like, yep, that makes sense. I
0: like it. I'm going with it. Well, how many chapters ago was Harry like Dumbledore? Such a jerk! Didn't tell me stuff. Hermione. He was. He was in, He was evil when he was a kid. Don't make excuses for him. Like he's. So he's completely flipped the other way.
1: I think, but that's that's. I think reinforces my point. I think Harry's really emotions driven right now.
0: It's two sides of the same like coin. You're saying.
1: Us, yeah, I think any of us would be in that situation, but I think he was so angry and. Exhausted and frustrated after living in the woods for how long, trying to like come up with some shrivel of a clue as to where the next Horcrux would be, just confused as to why like Dumbledore didn't just like physically write it out for him. Um and a lot of those things he said and were feeling were were natural and like you can't blame him, but pretty emotions driven,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Carlo, what do you think? Do you buy this argument that Harry is just in a particular emotional state where he's extra vulnerable to I guess susceptible would be the word to like latching on to something like this?
2: Well, I think it makes sense because they're they're not advancing much in Horcrux's hunt. It's been mostly camping, right? And, um, well, I think Brayton has a point there he He wants wants it to be true, so that he's he feels that Dumbledore once again came through for him and that's that's I, understandable. I think
0: I guess I've never thought of it in that light. I always <laughs> figured the argument would be that Harry is just so used to being the center of the world that he's like, oh yeah, why wouldn't I just like, it's probably me. I, I, I probably have the stone. Oh, like this cloak, that that's probably mine. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And I, I agree with you. I think that that's, that makes sense too, I guess. But I think with the information he has on the prophecy and um, just like this whole concept of, you know, when it comes to him and Voldemort, neither can
0: live while, the, how do you say it again? How's the line? Neither can live while the other survives. Carlo, how's it going in Portuguese?
2: Um, I think it's, I'm not sure how how it's said in Portuguese. I've always just listened to it. In English, in uh. the movies, and read it in English.
0: So. I mean, that sounds it's
2: something like that.
0: That's, it sounds almost exactly like it would, what it would be in Spanish, so I, I believe it.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I probably broke up your train of thought, Braden.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where I was headed there. <laughs>
0: um, he's He had the prophecy made about him. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, just like that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's been groomed that way and I think there's a lot of fact-based evidence that like like it or not it is all about him. It's all about him and Voldemort.
0: Yeah, so he could be forgiven for just is, assuming.
2: Yeah, but the thing is also that uh, the Hollows are mm, are prior to this whole thing, right? That's true. So it could be a little it could be Harry just thinking a little bit too much of himself to think that these house mm, somehow. Never, <laughs> because it's 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 such an old story. It's a very old story. It's a nursery been turned into kind of a nursery. Um, I don't think it's nursery story that you it's either nursery rhyme or what is it called? It's, Something kind, it's kind of
0: like a fable or a parable. Yeah,
2: exactly. A fable. It's, it's, it's like those other stories, right? That we, yeah. it's a cautionary tale. Yeah. That's what I meant.
0: <laughs> the scorpion and the frog or whatever.
2: Yeah. So as a cautionary tale, it, it exists. It's been in existence for Probably centuries I guess Mm -hmm. Um And Even if it refers to real Things, to real objects Why would those Three real objects Just End up in Harry's hands
0: Why not (laughs) Counterpoint (laughs) Okay, sure (laughs) Um is this obsession is this a real distraction to the point where it's like a problem that harry's like no hallows like i'm looking for hallows
1: i think yeah um i think that it's concerning that hermione is leaning so far the other way because you know she's typically the voice of reason yeah um so that has you pump the brakes a little bit Mm -hmm. per se. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I keep saying in this season of the story, like what else do they have? You know, if Hermione was coming to him saying like, no, like this, that was a, that was a fable. Like we can't base our whole, search off of this but here's an alternative here's what i'm getting from beetle the bard and where i think we should head then it would be like all right now we've got maybe a more facts uh, just a, another fact-based alternative i guess yeah. but it's just kind of like she's like i don't think that was real and it's like okay well so do you want to just head back out into the woods or what
0: you know so your answer would be like distraction from what Yeah, yeah, essentially. Okay, that's fair. Um, this is the chapter with Potter Watch. So there's there's a a part of the fandom that thinks that this is literally a reference to the fandom and like Harry Potter podcasts, which existed before she wrote this book. Um, like the leaky cast and muggle cast and some of the big, like early Harry Potter podcasts. So I didn't know if you thought that that was real, that she really is like hat tipping Harry Hmm, Potter podcasts. Wouldn't have known. (laughs) Should we start calling each other river and rapier and Royal?
1: Something to consider.
0: Not a post. Um. So here's my question about Potter Watch: Is it useful or is it just fun? Because I'll grant you that it's it, fun. It's definitely yeah. fun. It's at least fun. Yeah.
1: I think it's both. Okay. I think it is useful in the sense that it. sustains some form of unity amongst Voldemort opposers Mm -hmm. opposition. Um, And it keeps morale up a little bit. That kind of ties into the fun factor. Um, I think it's incredibly valuable in, in times like those to have a voice of an informative voice that's also an encouraging voice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, when you can pick up the any of the newspapers or any media outlet right now that's being controlled by the Death Eaters and just read negativity, it can be easy to just slip into hopelessness. Yeah. And so even if they don't have a lot of new information or a lot to say at mm-hmm. any given time, I think it's valuable and has worth to be a encouraging voice of information and unity.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that like pound for pound content wise, a lot of what they're saying is like, you know, it's bad. Voldemort, be careful. Use protective spells, you know, like it's, Yeah. but yeah, it definitely does foster a sense of like, we're all in this together. Like keep, you know, keep fighting yeah, the good fight just, keep the faith
1: exactly even it like i said even if they don't have like breaking news every time they come on it's mm-hmm. like hey you know there's still a group of us out there fighting the good fight mm-hmm. so
0: yeah there's definitely something to be said for that being a useful and important sentiment in this kind of information warfare or right uh, like Cold War sort of, it's being waged in like a fear-based way. Like that's a lot of what the Death Eaters mm-hmm. of Voldemort do is count on you being too scared to step up or fight back kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Psychological warfare, I guess that might be the term. Sure. What do you think, Carla? Do you see us as kind of the Lee Jordan and Kingsley Shacklebolt of Potter Watch? Like it's a good analog
2: sure <laughs> why not <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it's uh i think it's very useful in that way that you were mentioning it's the resistance mm-hmm. you know, um rallying together and and anyone out there will know that they're not alone mm-hmm. right that, there's mm-hmm. still other people fighting and resisting that's that's great yeah it's very, very useful and inspiring.
0: All right. So we definitively answered my question. It is useful. <laughs> um, I wrote down, It does this give a different perspective for the trio, where they don't have to just think about, like, oh, it's just us looking for Horcruxes all the time. Like, we're the only ones out there. But I guess that's the case for everyone. I mean, everyone likes to feel like they're part of something bigger, and they're part of a a movement that's not yeah. just themselves.
1: But I think you, I think you have a point. Like it's it's even more valuable for the trio because they are quote unquote on the front lines. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, not that there others are aren't ones... having to. Go ahead, Carla. Sorry, I was going to say they're the ones that are actually um uh, on uh have a they actually have a plan. They actually know what what needs to be done.
0: Yeah. To to cause and real everyone change. El-
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is just trying to resist and escape and mm-hmm. and not be stay
0: alive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And stay alive. Yeah. It's more and
0: survival. It, yeah.
2: It, but the, they're the ones who actually do have a a, a plan and a, a course of action that they need to follow even though they're not sure how to a lot of the times. <laughs> but they yeah. do know what what's necessary. And if everyone else out there doesn't know what's necessary and they're still doing it, they're not they're not giving up, then they shouldn't either.
0: Yeah. Um so unless we have more more thoughts on Potter Watch. Um, I wanted to ask just here on this very last page. They're all, you know, happy about it. We just watched Potter. We just listened to Potter Watch, and that was so fun. Um, and then Harry says the name. We haven't even talked about that. Ta- have we talked about the taboo thing?
1: Mm-mm. No. The the they've enchanted or however you say his. Name to where if you say it All of a sudden you've got like a tracker on you mm-hmm. Like you can be located
0: And it, it, it like breaks Which, down your protective spells It's wild
1: Yeah that one kind of Bothers me like From a Writing standpoint
0: It's a little cheap
1: I think I think that one's a little cheap I didn't love that one
0: Bwah 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 Breed it's beef
1: yeah, that one's that one's not super beefy for me, but it was kind of like really, like oh, we can do that now.
0: You could just cast it on the whole wizarding world, like
1: yeah, that's what I mean. That's way too broad, sweeping yeah. to like really, like I could see that if they set it up on certain locations. Yeah, like they they put that kind of thing right around the Lovegood home, knowing that Harry would probably end up in there, and that if he says his name, we got him. It tips us off immediately that, like, he's got a heat sensor right there. Yeah. But the whole wizarding world, if you say a word now,
0: they know exactly where you are. Well, I've never thought about this before, about how it being cheap, so. Hmm. Sorry, Jeremy. So, now that I'm thinking about it, why would you not just make it, like, hi, Harry, like, that's going to get you right to where frickin' Harry Potter yeah. is, probably.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting choice because so many people refuse to say his name to begin with. So maybe that was the the, the tact in it from Voldemort's standpoint of, like, Harry's probably the only one who doesn't respect me enough to like yeah. really use my
0: name. Well, that's what Ron says when he tells Harry about it the first time. Is he's like, "Well, it was only ever the the really serious people, like your Kingsleys and McGonagalls and people like that, that ever used it. So if that's who you're trying to catch, it's going to yeah. narrow that net down. It's going to be a pretty fine net.
1: And I'm good with that. That makes sense. I just the the, the whole concept yeah. of being able to cast a spell over the entire wizarding population is A little ridiculous, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that works. You just, you really gotta, really gotta push for that one.
1: Yeah, that's an advanced level of Wizard Pilates
0: at that point. Thank you. (laughs) You got my text from an hour and a half ago, or bringing me water. That's so sweet.
1: (laughs) Do you get slapped a lot?
0: She's too short. Usual stubby arms. Can't reach very that's why well. he has a
1: beard. It's a buffer. Yeah.
2: That's okay. You can come clean. If you're scared, just say something on the chat or
0: blink, blink. twice. Yes. No. Uh, uh,
2: like I deserve good. it.
0: I deserve it. You're I'm, in a
2: safe space, Rogan. I'm
0: I'm just a little I'm just no little <laughs> nothing. And I don't deserve nice things.
1: <laughs> Secret secrets are no fun. Yeah. Secret secrets hurt
0: someone. So Harry says the name. And my question's very straightforward here. What's about to happen?
1: Uh Voldemort's coming for him.
0: So you're picturing, you're gonna turn the page and it's like Voldemort's slit like eyes were clear through the gloom when Harry looked out of the tent and saw dozens of Death Eaters pointing their wands at him.
1: No, I think that uh, the next scene we get is them being basically overpowered by Death Eaters and brought to some kind of, like, holding chamber that they're going to have to figure out how to break out of. Okay. I think they've finally gotten themselves deep enough this time they're not going to be able to just, like, Hermione their way out of this stuff. <laughs>
0: What would, if they were slightly less deep, what would that look like? Her Hermione, her way out. She'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to put on the invisibility cloak because I'm a mudblood. And then you guys go, you guys wipe their memories. Yeah,
1: that
2: exactly. Have fun. Good luck. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know how.
1: Or, yeah, maybe Hermione gets sick of it, and she's just like, deuces. I, <laughs> I keep having to freaking save you guys. I'm done with it.
0: <laughs> okay, give me the sword. I'll just take – I've got the bag. I've got everything. So I'm just going to – Screw this prophecy. I'm going to go get him myself. Mm-hmm. You guys are so- slowing me down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: You're cramping my style.
0: <laughs> well, what do you think, Carla? Should we uh... – Should we let Brayden know if he's right or not About that that prediction?
2: Well, I think he deserves to know
0: You think think he's been a good boy He deserves to know
2: He deserves to know he was right all along
0: (laughs) About that Hagrid's going to die In this next chapter
2: That Hermione just bolted
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true Much more relevant reference, thank you Um, So we're going to go ahead and flip the page here, Brayden (laughs) Okay, <laughs> Rogi, we just did this last week. Are you really making me do a live <laughs> read again? It's
1: not so much that; it is uh, the reaction I'm going to get from Hannah? my better half as I, <laughs> Coop- oh, from from at, yeah, as I finally emerge from this room. Yeah, as I finally emerged from this room at 11:30 tonight. <laughs> no, it's oh, that's only not
2: fair. It was eleven thirty for me when we started.
0: <laughs> Suck it, uh, oh, Brayden. Ever heard of time zones? Jeez. Okay, um. So, Brayden, did you played Hermione last time, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I can't do that again. <laughs> do you just want to be?
0: Do you want to be Harry?
1: Um, that's fine. Anyone but Hermione, honestly, okay. just for my vocal cords' sake
0: okay so you'll be you'll be Harry and Ron. how about that oh wow, Harry and duty. Ron. all right yep Carla will be do you just want to take all all other characters all other quoted characters, and I'll do everything else, all the background the narration, or do you want to do narration? Okay. That's fine. I can do the voices if you'd prefer
2: i i'm I'm not good with voices, but narration sounds very long. <laughs> yeah I'm it like is more talking
0: work. that's why I usually volunteer to do it so you'd rather yeah. do voices and you don't have to sure. do funny voices for all of them I mean you can if you want I guess but you certainly don't have to
2: I, I I really can't promise that it will be um, consistent that's fine how's, so,
0: how's your British accent
2: it's rubbish <laughs> it's rubbish it's rubbish
0: <laughs> that's funny All right, Harry looked around at the other two, and now mere outlines in the darkness. He saw Hermione point her wand, not toward the outside, but into his face.
1: Hang on, hang on. On
0: page 446, Hermione's got her wand pointed at Harry's face. Okay. I'm here. There was a bang. A burst of white light, and he buckled in agony, unable to see. He could feel his face swelling rapidly under his hands as heavy footfalls surrounded him.
2: Get up, verbin.
0: Unknown hands dragged Harry roughly off the ground. Before he could stop them, someone had rummaged through his pockets and removed the blackthorn wand. Harry clutched at his excruciatingly painful face, which felt unrecognizable beneath his fingers tight, swollen, and puffy as though he had suffered some violent, allergic reaction. His eyes had been reduced to slits, through which he could barely see. His glasses fell off as he was bundled out of the tent. All he could make out were the blurred shapes of four or five people wrestling Ron and Hermione outside too.
3: Get off her!
0: Ron shouted. There was an unmistakable sound of knuckles hitting flesh. Ron grunted in pain. (laughs) <laughs> and Hermione screamed
2: No, leave him alone Leave him alone Oh, it's me again Sorry. I know, I know. <laughs> Your boyfriend's going to have worse than that Done to him if he's on my list
0: Yikes Said the horribly familiar rasping voice
2: Delicious girl What a treat I do enjoy the softness of the skin
0: Harry's stomach turned over. (laughs) He knew who this was, Fenrir Greyback, the werewolf who was permitted to wear Death Eater robes in return for his hired savagery.
2: Search the tent,
0: said another voice. Harry was thrown face down onto the ground. A thud told him that Ron had been cast down beside him. They could hear footsteps and crashes. The men were pushing over chairs inside the tent as they searched.
2: Now, let's see who we've got,
0: said Greyback's gloating voice from overhead, and Harry was rolled over onto his back. A beam of wand light fell into his face, and Greyback laughed.
2: I'll be needing butterbee to wash this one down. What happened to you, ugly?
0: Harry did not answer immediately.
2: I said,
0: repeated Greyback, and Harry received a blow to the diaphragm that made him double over in pain. <laughs>
2: What happened to you? Stung. Harry muttered. And stung. Yeah, looks like
0: it. Said an anonymous second voice.
2: <laughs> What's your name?
0: Snarled, greyback. Dudley. Said Harry.
2: And your first name?
0: <laughs> I, uh... Vernon. <laughs> Vernon Dudley. That—that That is my first name. What... <laughs> It's a normal first name, sir. I don't understand.
2: <laughs> Check the list, Scabier.
0: Said Greyback, and Harry heard him move sideways to look down at Ron instead.
2: What about you, Ginger? Stan
1: Shumpike,
0: said Ron.
2: Like hell you are,
0: said the man called yes. Scabier.
2: <laughs> we know Stan Shampike. He's put a bit of work our way.
0: There was another thud.
2: In
1: body,
0: said Ron, and Harry could tell that his mouth was full of blood.
2: Body Weasley. But really. uh, Weasley.
0: Rasped Greyback.
2: So you're related to blood traders, even if you're not a mudblood. And lastly, your pretty little friend.
0: The relish in his voice made Harry's flesh crawl.
2: Easy, Greyback,
0: said Skabier over the jeering of the others.
2: Oh, I'm not going to bite just yet. We'll see if he's, if she's a bit quicker at remembering her name than Barney. Who are you, girly? Penelope Clearwater,
0: said Hermione. <laughs> she sounded terrified, but convincing.
2: What's your blood status? Half blood,
0: said Hermione.
2: Easy enough to check
0: said Skabier.
2: But the old lot of them look like they could still be Hogwarts age.
0: We've left <laughs> said Ron. gurgled Ron.
2: Left, have you, Ginger?
0: said Skabier.
2: And you decided to go camping. And you thought just for a laugh you'd use the Dark Lord's name.
0: Not a love. said Ron. Accidents.
2: Accidents.
0: There was more jeering laughter.
2: You know who used... You know who used to like using the Dark Lord's name, Weasley?
0: Growled Greyback.
2: The Order of the Phoenix. Mean anything to you? No. Well, they don't show the Dark Lord.
0: (laughs) Well <laughs> well well well.
2: Well, they don't show the dark lord proper respect, so the name's been tabooed. A few order members have been tracked that way. We'll see, bind them up with the other two prisoners.
0: Guys, there's so much dialogue on these pages, I'm so sorry. Someone yanked <laughs> Harry up by You're the hair. Not. Dragged him a short way Pushed him back down into a sitting position Then started binding him back to back With other people Harry was still half blind, barely able to see anything Through his puffed up eyes When at last the man tying them had walked away Harry whispered to the other prisoners Anyone
1: still got a wand?
0: No (laughs) (laughs) Said Ron and Hermione From either side of him This is all my fault I said the name, I'm sorry Harry? It was a new but familiar voice, and it came from directly behind Harry, from the person tied to Hermione's left. This is like a logic puzzle where it's like, to Hermione's left came this voice, and (laughs) Harry was not next to the tallest person.
2: Dean? It is you. If they find out who they've got, they're snatchers they're only looking for truants to sell for gold oh, not a not a bad little haul for one night
0: Greyback was saying as a pair of hobgoblin boots marched close by harry and they heard more crashes from inside the tent
2: a mudblood a runaway goblin and three truants you check their names on the list yet skavia he roared Yeah, yeah, there's no Vernon Dudley on here, Greyback. Interesting,
0: said Greyback. That's interesting. He crouched down beside Harry, who saw, through the infinitesimal gap left between his swollen (laughs) eyelids, a face covered in matted gray hair and whiskers, with pointed brown teeth and sores at the corners of his mouth. Greyback smelled as he had done at the top of the tower where Dumbledore had died, of dirt, sweat, and blood.
2: So you aren't wanted then, Vernon? Or are you on that list under a different name? What house were you in Hogwarts?
0: Slytherin, said Harry automatically.
2: Funny how how they all think... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how they all think... "'We want to hear that,'
0: jeered Scabier out of the shadows.
2: "'But well, none of them can tell us where the common room is.'"
0: "'It's in the dungeons,' said Harry clearly.
1: "'You enter through the wall. It's full of skulls and stuff, and it's under the
0: lake, so the light's all green.'" There was a short pause.
2: "'Well, well. Looks like we really have caught a little Slytherin,'
0: said Skabier.
2: "'Good for you, Vernon.'" Because there ain't a lot of mudblood, Slytherins. Who's your father?
0: He works at the ministry. Harry lied, as though any of us thought that that was the truth. He knew that his whole story would collapse with the smallest investigation, but on the other hand, he only had until his face regained its usual appearance before the game was up in any case. Department of Magical Accidents and Catastrophes.
2: You know what, Greyback?
0: Said Scabier.
2: I think there is a Dudley in there.
0: Harry could barely breathe. Could luck, sheer luck, get them safely out of this? Braden, could it? Stranger things have happened. Okay.
2: Well, well.
0: Said Greyback, and Harry could hear the tiniest note of trepidation in that callous voice, and knew that Greyback was wondering whether he had indeed just attacked and bound the son of a ministry official. Harry's heart was pounding against the ropes around his ribs. He would not have been surprised to know the Greyback could see
2: it. If you're telling the truth, ugly, you've got nothing to fear from a trip to the ministry. I expect your father will reward us just for picking you up.
0: But... Said Harry, his mouth bone dry. If you just let us... Hey! Came a shout from inside the tent.
2: Look at this, Greyback.
0: A dark figure came bustling toward them, and Harry saw a glint of silver in the light of their wands. They had found Gryffindor's sword.
2: Very nice,
0: said Greyback, appreciatively, (laughs) taking it from his companion.
2: Oh, very nice indeed, Looks Goblin made that. Where did you get something like this?
0: It's my father's, Harry lied, hoping against hope that it was too dark for Greyback to see the name etched just below the hilt.
1: We borrowed it to cut firewood.
2: Hang on a minute, Greyback. Look at this,
0: in the prophet. As Scabier said it, Harry's scar, (laughs) which was stretched tight against his distended forehead, burned savagely. More clearly than he could make out anything around him, he saw a towering building, a grim fortress, jet black and forbidding. Voldemort's thoughts had suddenly become razor sharp again. He was gliding toward the gigantic building with a sense of calm, euphoric purpose. So close. So close. (laughs) Harry's scar seared again. And he rose up. Nope, I skipped a page. With a huge effort of will, Harry closed his mind to Dumbledore's thoughts, pulling himself back to where he sat, tied to Ron, Hermione, Dean, and Griphook in the darkness, listening to Greyback and Scabier.
2: Hermione Granger,
0: Scabier was saying,
2: a mudblood who is known to be traveling with Harry Potter.
0: Harry's scar burned in the silence, but he made a supreme effort to keep himself present, not to slip into Voldemort's mind. He heard the creak of Greyback's boots as he crouched down in front of Hermione.
2: You know what, little girly? This picture looks a hell of a a lot like you. It isn't. It isn't me.
0: Hermione's terrified squeak was as good as a confession.
2: Known to be traveling with Harry Potter,
0: repeated Greyback quietly. A stillness had settled over the scene. Harry's scar was exquisitely painful, but he struggled with all his strength against the pull of Voldemort's thoughts. It had never been so important to remain in his own mind.
2: Well, this changes things, doesn't it?
0: Whispered Greyback. Nobody spoke. Harry sensed the gang of Snatchers watching, frozen, and felt Hermione's arm trembling against his. Greyback got up and took a couple of steps to where Harry sat, crouching down again to stare closely at his misshapen features.
2: What's that on your forehead, Vernon?
0: He asked softly, his breath foul in Harry's nostrils as he pressed a filthy finger to the taut scar. Don't touch it! Harry yelled. He could not stop himself. He thought he might be sick from the pain of it.
2: I thought you were glasses, Potter.
0: Breathed Greyback.
2: I found glasses.
0: Yelped one of the snatchers skulking in the background.
2: There was glasses in the tent. Greyback, wait.
0: And seconds later, Harry's glasses had been ran back onto his face. The snatchers were closing in now, peering at him. It is. Grasped Greyback.
2: We've got Potter.
0: They all took several steps backward, stunned by what they had done. Harry, still fighting to remain present inside his own splitting head, could think of nothing to say. Fragmented visions were breaking across the surface of his mind. He was gliding around the high walls of the Black Fortress. No, he was Harry, tied up and wandless in grave danger, looking up, up to the topmost window, the highest tower. He was Harry, and they were discussing his fate in low voices. Time to fly. To the Ministry.
2: To hell with the Ministry,
0: growled Greyback.
2: They'll take the credit, and we won't get a look in. I say we take him straight to you-know-who. Will you summon him? Here?
0: Said Skabir, sounding awed, terrified. No. Snarled Greyback.
2: I haven't got... They say he's using the Malfoy's plays as a base. We'll take the boy there.
0: Harry thought he knew why Greyback was not calling Voldemort The werewolf might be allowed to wear Death Eater robes when they wanted to use him But only Voldemort's inner circle were branded with the dark mark Greyback had not been granted this highest honor Harry's scar seared again And he rose into the night, flying straight up to the window at the very top of the tower
2: Completely sure it's him Cause if it ain't Greyback, we're dead "'Who's in charge here?'
0: roared Greyback, covering his moment of inadequacy.
2: "'I say that's Potter, and him plus his wants. That's two hundred thousand galleons right there. "'But if you're too gutless to come along, any of you, it's all for me. "'And with any luck, I'll get the girl thrown in.'"
0: The window was the merest slit in the black rock, not big enough for a man to enter. A skeletal figure is just visible through it, curled beneath a blanket, dead. Or sleeping?
2: All right,
0: said Scabier.
2: All right, we're in. (coughs) What about the rest of them, Greyback? What what will we do with them? Might as well take the lot. We've got two mudbloods. That's another ten galleons. Give me the sword as well. If they're rubies, that's another small fortune right there.
0: The prisoners were dragged to their feet. Harry could hear Hermione's breathing, fast and terrified.
2: Grab hold and make it tight. I'll do, Potter,"
0: said Greyback, seizing a fistful of Harry's hair. Harry could feel his long yellow nails scratching his scalp.
2: On three, one, two.
0: They disapparated, pulling the prisoners with them. Harry struggled, trying to throw off Greyback's hand, but it was hopeless. Ron and Hermione were squeezed tightly against him on either side. He could not separate from the group, and as the breath was squeezed out of him, his scar seared more painfully still as he forced himself through the slit of the window like a snake and landed, lightly as vapor, inside the cell-like room. The prisoners launched into, lurched into one another As they landed in a country lane Harry's eyes, still puffy Took a moment to acclimatize Then he saw a pair of wrought iron gates At the foot of what looked like a long drive He experienced the tiniest trickle of relief The worst had not happened yet Voldemort was not here He was, Harry knew For he was Did you guys hear that? Yeah mm-hmm. huh. That was my phone It must have heard me say The phone's name <laughs> He was, Harry knew, for he was fighting to resist the vision in some strange fortress-like place at the top of a tower. How long would it take Voldemort to get to this place once he knew that Harry was here was another matter. One of the snatchers strode to the gates and shook them.
2: How do we get in? They're locked, Greyback. I can't. Blimey.
0: He whipped his hands away in fright. The iron was contorting, twisting itself out of the abstract furrows and coils into a frightening face which spoke in a clanging, echoing voice.
2: State your purpose.
0: Nice gate voice.
2: We've got Potter.
0: Greyback roared triumphantly.
2: We've captured. We've captured Harry Potter.
0: The gates swung open. Come on, said Greyback to his men, and the prisoners were shunted through the gates and up the drive between high hedges that muffled their footsteps. Harry saw a ghostly white shape above him and realized it was an albino peacock. He stumbled and was dragged onto his feet by Greyback. Now he was staggering along sideways, tied back to back to the four other prisoners. Closing his puffy eyes, he allowed the pain in his scar to overcome him for a moment, wanting to know what Voldemort was doing, whether he knew yet that Harry was caught. The emaciated figure stirred beneath its thin blanket and rolled over toward him, eyes opening in a skull of a face. The frail man sat up, great eyes, great sunken eyes fixed upon him, upon Voldemort, and then he smiled. Most of his teeth were gone.
2: So you have come. I thought you would. One day your journey was pointless. I never had it.
0: You lie! As Voldemort's anger throbbed inside him Harry's scar threatened to burst with pain And he wrenched his mind back to his own body Fighting to remain present as the prisoners were pushed over gravel Light spilled out over all of them What is this? Said a woman's cold voice
2: We're here to see you must not be named
0: Rasped Greyback
2: Who are you? You know me.
0: There was resentment in the werewolf's voice.
2: Fenrir Greyback, we've caught Harry Potter.
0: Greyback seized Harry and dragged him around to face the light, knowing the other prisoners, forcing the other prisoners to shuffle around him.
2: I know he's swollen, ma'am, but it's him.
0: Piped up Scabier.
2: If you look a bit closer, you'll see his car. And this here, see the girl? The mudblood who's been traveling around with him, ma'am. There's no doubt it's him, and we've got his wand as well. Here, ma'am.
0: Through his puffy eyelids, Harry saw Narcissa Malfoy scrutinizing his swollen face. Scabier thrust the blackthorn wand at her. She raised her eyebrows.
2: Bring them in,
0: she said. Harry and the others were shoved and kicked up broad stone steps into a hallway lined with portraits. Follow me, said Narcissa, leading the way across the hall.
2: My son, Draco, is home for for his Easter holidays. If that is Harry Potter, he will know.
0: The drawing room dazzled after the darkness outside. Even with his eyes almost closed, Harry could make out the wide proportions of the room. A crystal chandelier hung from the ceiling, more portraits against the dark purple walls. Two figures rose from chairs in front of an ornate marble fireplace as the prisoners were forced into the room by the snatchers.
2: What is...
0: This. The dreadfully familiar, drawling voice of Lucius Malfoy fell on Harry's ears. He was panicking now. He could see no way out. And it was easier, as his fear mounted, to block out Voldemort's thoughts, though his scar was still burning.
2: They say they've got Potter,
0: said Narcissa's cold voice.
2: Draco? Come here.
0: Harry did not dare look directly at Draco, but saw him obliquely, a figure slightly taller than he was, rising from an armchair, his face a pale and pointed blur beneath white blonde hair. Greyback forced the prisoners to turn again so as to place Harry directly beneath the chandelier.
2: Well, boy.
0: Grasped the werewolf. Harry was facing a mirror over the fireplace, a great gilded thing in an intricately scrolled frame. Through the slits of his eyes, he saw his own reflection for the first time since leaving Grimmauld Place. His face was huge, shiny, and pink, every feature distorted by Hermione's jinx. His black hair reached his shoulders, and there was a dark shadow around his jaw. Harry had hit puberty. Had he not known that it was he who stood there, he would have wondered who was wearing his glasses. He resolved not to speak, for his voice was sure to give him away, yet he still avoided eye contact with Draco as the latter approached.
2: Well, Draco,
0: said Lucius Malfoy, he sounded avid.
2: Is it, is it Harry Potter? I, I can't, I can't be sure,
0: said Draco. He was keeping his distance from Greyback, and he seemed as scared of looking as Harry, as Harry was of looking at him.
2: But look at, at him curve carefully, look, come closer.
0: Harry had never heard Lucius Malfoy so excited.
2: Draco, If we are the ones who hand Potter over to the Dark Lord, everything will be forgiven. Now, we won't be forgetting who actually caught him, I hope, Mr. Malfoy,
0: said Greyback menacingly.
2: (laughs) Of course not, of course not,
0: said Lucius impatiently. He approached Harry himself, came so close that Harry could see the usually languid, pale face in sharp detail, even through his swollen eyes. With his face a puffy mask, Harry felt as though he were peering out from behind the bars of a cage.
2: What did you do to him?
0: Lucius asked Greyback.
2: How did he get into this state? That wasn't us. Looks more like a stinging jinx to me,
0: said Lucius. His gray eyes raked Harry's forehead.
2: There's something there, he whispered. Could be the scar stretched tight. Draco, come here. Look properly. What do you think?
0: Harry saw Draco's face up close now, right beside his father's. They were extraordinarily alike, except that while his father looked beside himself with excitement, Draco's expression was full of reluctance, even fear. I don't know. He said as he walked away toward the fireplace where his mother stood waiting. Braden, why is... Draco scared?
1: Because if he screws this up I'm sure it's, he's on thin ice to begin with, with Voldemort
0: so. He and his family are probably Yeah Yeah
2: We had better be certain, Lucius.
0: Narcissa called to her husband in her cold, clear voice.
2: Completely sure that That it is uh, Potter, before we summon the Dark Lord. They say this is his.
0: She was looking closely at the Blackthorn wand.
2: But it does not resemble Ollivander's description. If we are mistaken, if we call the Dark Lord here for nothing, remember what he did to Raoul and Balahab? What about the mudblood then? (laughs)
0: growled Greyback. Harry was nearly thrown off his feet as the Snatchers forced the prisoners to swivel around again so that the light fell on Hermione instead. Wait, said Narcissa sharply.
2: Yes, yes, she was in Madame Malkin's with Potter. I saw her picture in The Prophet. Look, Draco, isn't it the Granger girl? I, maybe, yeah, yeah. But then, that's the Weasley boy,
0: shouted Lucius, striding around the bound prisoners to face Ron.
2: It's them Potter's friends. Draco, look at him. Isn't it Arthur Weasley's son? What's his name? Yeah,
0: said Draco again, his back to the prisoners. It could be. The drawing room door behind... The drawing room door opened behind Harry. A woman spoke, and the sound of the voice wound Harry's fear to an even higher pitch. What is this? What's happened, sissy? Uh, I think for some of the scenes going forward, should I think uh, maybe I could do Bellatrix, because there's going to okay. be some back and forth that I think could be good. Sure.
2: Yeah. Sure.
0: Bellatrix Lestrange walked slowly around the prisoners and stopped on Harry's right, staring at Hermione through her heavily-lidded eyes. "'But surely,' she said quietly, "'this is the mudblood girl. This is Granger.'"
2: "'Yes, yes, it's Granger,'
0: cried Lucius.
2: "'And beside her, we think Potter. Potter and his friends caught at last.'"
0: "'Potter?' shrieked Bellatrix, and she backed away, the better to take in Harry. Are you sure? Well, then the Dark Lord must be informed at once. She dragged back her left sleeve. Harry saw the dark mark burned into the flesh of her arm and knew that she was about to touch it to summon her beloved master.
2: I was about to call him,
0: said Lucius, and his hand actually closed upon Bellatrix's wrist, preventing her from touching the mark.
2: I shall summon him, Bella." "'Potter has been brought to my house, and it is therefore upon my authority.'
0: "'Your authority?' she sneered, attempting to wrench her hand from his grasp. "'You lost your authority when you lost your wand, Lucius. "'How dare you take your hands off me!'
2: "'This is nothing to do with you. "'You did not capture the boy.' "'Begging your pardon, Mr. Malfoy?'
0: interjected Greyback.
2: "'But it's us that caught Potter.' And it's us that we keep claiming the gold.
0: Gold laughed Bellatrix, still attempting to throw off her brother in law, her free hand groping in her pocket for her wand. Take your gold, filthy scavenger. What do I want with gold? I seek only the honor of his of she stopped struggling, her eyes her dark eyes fixed upon something Harry could not see. Jubilant at her capitulation, Lucius threw her hand from him and ripped up his own sleeve. Stop shrieked Bellatrix. Do not touch it. We shall all perish if the Dark Lord comes now. Lucius froze, his index finger hovering over his own mark. Bellatrix strode out of Harry's limited line of vision. What is that? He heard her say. Sword. (laughs) Grunted an (laughs) out-of-sight snatcher. Give it to me
2: not your missus it's mine i reckon i found it
0: there was a bang and a flash of red light harry knew that the snatcher had been stunned there was a roar of anger from his fellows Scapier drew his wand
2: what do you think you're playing at woman
0: stupefy she screamed stupefy They were no match for her, even though there were four of them against one of her. She was a witch, as Harry knew, with prodigious skill and no conscience. They fell where they stood, all except Greyback, who had been forced into a kneeling position, his arms outstretched. Out of the corners of his eyes, Harry saw Bellatrix bearing down upon the werewolf. The sword of Gryffindor gripped tightly in her hand, her face waxen. Where did you get this sword? She whispered to Greyback as she pulled his wand out of his unresisting grip.
2: How dare
0: you? He snarled, his mouth the only thing that could move as he was forced to gaze up at her. He bared his pointed teeth.
2: Release me, woman.
0: Why is she so upset about the sword, Braden? She's the one who hit it in the lake. Ooh. Bellatrix with the doe? Oh, she hit it for Voldemort and then Hagrid brought them to the, to the pot. That's entirely more likely. (laughs) 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 Okay. Where did you find this sword? She repeated, brandishing it in his face. Snape sent it to my vault in Gringotts.
2: It was in their tent.
0: Rasped Greyback.
2: Release me, I say.
0: She waved her wand, and the werewolf sprang to his feet, but appeared too wary to approach her. He prowled behind an armchair, his filthy curved nails clutching its back. Draco, move this scum outside, said Bellatrix, indicating the unconscious men. If you haven't got the guts to finish them, then leave them in the courtyard for me.
2: Don't you dare speak to Draco-like,
0: said Narcissa furiously, but Bellatrix screamed. Be quiet! The situation is graver than you can possibly imagine, sissy. We have a very serious problem. She stood, panting slightly, looking down at the sword, examining its hilt. Then she turned to look at the silent prisoners. "'If it is indeed Potter, he must not be harmed,' she muttered, more to herself than to the others. "'The Dark Lord wishes to dispose of Potter himself, but if he finds out, I must, I must know.' She turned back to her sister again. "'The prisoners must be placed in the cellar while I think what to do.'
2: "'This is my house, Bella.' You don't give orders in my— Do it!
0: You have no idea of the danger we are in, shrieked Bellatrix. She looked frighteningly mad, a thin stream of fire issued from her wand, and burned a hole in the carpet. Narcissa hesitated for a moment, then addressed the werewolf.
2: Take these prisoners down to the cellar, Greyback.
0: Wait, said Bellatrix sharply. All except—except for the mudblood. Greyback gave a grunt of pleasure. Ugh. Oh, sorry. No! <laughs> she shouted, Ron. You can have me! Keep me! <laughs> Who could that be? Bellatrix hit him across the face. The blow echoed around the room. If she dies under questioning, I'll take you next, she said. Blood traitor is next to mudblood in my book. Take them downstairs, Greyback, and make sure they are secure, but do nothing more to them. Yet. She threw Greyback's wand back to him, then took a short silver knife from under her robes. She cut Hermione free from the other prisoners, then dragged her by the hair into the middle of the room, while Greyback forced the rest of them to shuffle across to another door into a dark passageway. His wand held out in front of him, projecting an an invisible and irresistible force.
2: Reckons you'll let me have a bit of the girl when she's finished with her.
0: Greyback crooned as he forced them along the corridor.
2: I'd say I'll get a bite or two, wouldn't you, Ginger?
0: Harry could feel Ron shaking. They were forced down a steep flight of stairs, still tied back to back and in danger of slipping and breaking their necks at any moment. At the bottom was a heavy door. Greyback unlocked it with a tap of his wand, then forced them into a dank and musty room and left them in total darkness. The echoing bang of the slammed cellar door had not yet died away before there was a terrible, drawn-out scream from directly above them. Hermione! Ron bellowed, and he started to writhe and struggle against the ropes tying them together, so that Harry staggered.
1: Hermione! Be quiet! Harry said. Shut up, Ron! We need to work out a way! Hermione! <laughs> Hermione! We need a plan! Stop yelling! <laughs> we need to get those ropes off!
2: Harry
0: Came a whisper through the darkness
2: Ron Is that you
0: Who is it Brayden Luna Did you just read ahead No No? I can
1: tell by uh, Carla's voice
2: (laughs) Ron stopped
0: shouting There was a sound of movement close by them And Harry saw a shadow moving closer
2: Harry Ron Luna Yes it's me Oh, no. I didn't want you to be caught.
1: Luna, can you help us get these ropes off? <laughs> Said Harry.
2: Oh, yes, I expect so. There's an old nail we use if we need to break anything. Just a moment. Just a
0: normal thing. Hermione screamed again from overhead, and they could hear Bellatrix oh, s- screaming, too. But her words were inaudible, for Ron shouted again. <laughs> Hermione! Hermione! Were you gosh denggining the fact that you were gonna to have to yell again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought you were gosh denggining about Hermione. <laughs> Is Hermione gonna die? What's going on here?
2: Uh,
1: I don't. I yeah. I still don't think she's gonna die.
0: Okay. She's gonna her Hermione her way out of this one.
1: Yep, Mister Ollivander.
0: Harry <laughs> could hear Luna <laughs> saying,
2: "That was me." Oh, sorry. Could <laughs> have been me. Mr. Ollivander?
0: Harry could hear Luna saying.
2: (laughs) Mr. Ollivander, have you got the nail? If you just move over a little bit, I think it was beside the water jug.
0: I usually try to keep our two possessions next to each other. She was back within (laughs) seconds.
2: You'll need to stay still,
0: she said. Harry could feel her digging at the ropes, tough fibers to work the knots free. From upstairs, they heard Bellatrix's voice. I'm going to ask you again. Where did you get this sword? Where? We found it. We found it. Please. Hermione screamed again. Ron struggled harder than ever, and the rusty nail slipped onto Harry's wrist.
2: Ron, please stay still, Luna whispered can't see
0: what I'm doing. My pocket, <laughs> said Ron. <laughs> in
1: my pocket, there's a deluminator and it's full of light.
0: A few seconds later and with no questions asked, Luna reached into Ron's <laughs> pocket and there was a click. And the luminescent spheres the deluminator had sucked from the lamps in the tent flew into the cellar. Unable to rejoin their sources, they simply hung there, like tiny suns, normal, flooding the underground room with light. Harry saw Luna, all eyes in her white face, and the motionless figure of Ollivander the wandmaker, curled up in the floor in the corner. Craning around, he caught sight of their fellow prisoners, Dean, and Griphook the goblin, who seemed barely conscious, kept standing by the ropes that bound them to the humans.
2: Oh, that's much easier. Thanks, Ron.
0: Said Luna, and she began hacking at their bindings again.
2: Hello, Dean.
0: From above came Bellatrix's voice. You are lying, filthy mudblood, and I know it. You have been inside my vault at Gringotts. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Another terrible scream. What else did you take? What else have you got? Tell the truth or I swear I shall run you through with this knife. Harry felt the ropes fall away and turned, rubbing his wrists to see Ron running around the cellar, just (laughs) sprinting, looking up at the low ceiling, searching for a trapdoor. Dean, his face bruised and bloody, said, Thanks. I didn't know which one of us should read that. I'll just keep going. To Luna and stood there, (laughs) shivering. The grip hook sank onto the cellar floor, looking groggy and disoriented. Many welts across his swarthy face. Ron was now trying to disapparate without a wand.
2: There's no way out, Ron.
0: Said Luna, watching his fruitless efforts.
2: The cellar is completely escape-proof. I tried at first. Mr. Ollivander has been here for a long time. He's tried everything.
0: Hermione was screaming again. The sound went through Harry like physical pain. Barely conscious of the fierce prickling of his scar, he too started to run around the cellar, feeling the walls for he hardly knew what, knowing in his heart that it was useless. What else did you take? What else? Answer me, Crucio! hermione's screams echoed off the walls upstairs ron was half sobbing as he pounded the walls with his fists and harry in utter desperation seized hagrid's pouch from around his neck and groped inside it he pulled out dumbledore's snitch and shook it hoping for he did not know what nothing happened he waved the broken halves of the phoenix wand but they were lifeless the mirror fragment fell sparkling to the floor and he saw a gleam of brightest blue dumbledore's eye was gazing at him out of the mirror any uh, thoughts on what that is, Braden?
1: Uh, Dumbledore's ghost there to help them. I don't know. Keep reading.
0: This <laughs> this is your line. Uh, oh, I'm Harry. Right, help us! He yelled at it in mad desperation.
1: We're in the cell cellar of Malfoy Manor. Help us!
0: The eye blinked and was gone. It was like okay. Harry was not even sure that it had really been there. He tilted the shard of mirror this way and that and saw nothing reflected there but the walls and ceiling of the prison. And upstairs, Hermione was screaming worse than ever. And next to him, Ron was bellowing. Hermione! Hermione! How did you get into my vault? They heard Bellatrix scream. Did that dirty little goblin in the cellar help you?
2: We only met him tonight.
0: Hermione sobbed.
2: We've never been inside your vault. It isn't the real sword. It's a copy. Just a copy.
0: A copy, screeched Bellatrix. Oh, a likely story.
2: But we can find out easily,
0: came Lucius's voice.
2: Draco fetch the goblin. He can tell us whether the sword is real or not.
0: Harry dashed across the cellar to where Griphook was huddled on the floor. Griphook, he whispered into the goblin's pointed ear.
1: You must tell them the sword's a fake. They mustn't know it's the real one, Griphook, please.
0: He could hear someone scuttling down the cellar steps. Next moment, Draco's voice, shaking voice, spoke from behind
2: the door. Stand back. Line up against the back wall. Don't try anything or I'll kill you.
0: They did as they were bidden. As the lock turned, Ron clicked the deluminator and the lights whisked back into his pocket, restoring the cellar's darkness. The door flew open. Malfoy marched inside. Wand held out in front of him, pale and determined. He seized the little goblin by the arm and backed out again, dragging grip Hook with him. The cellar door slammed shut. The door slammed shut at the same moment a loud crack echoed inside the cellar. Ron clicked the illuminator. Three balls of light flew back into the air from his pocket, revealing Dobby the house elf, who had just apparated into their midst. Dob! Harry hit Ron on the arm to stop him shouting, and Ron looked terrified at his mistake. Footsteps across the ceiling overhead. Draco marching grip hook to Bellatrix. That's quite a sentence. Dobby's enormous tennis ball-shaped eyes were wide. He was trembling from his fear, from his feet to the tips of his ears. He was back in the home of his old masters, and it was clear that he was petrified. Harry Potter. He squeaked in the tiniest quiver of a voice.
2: Dobby has come to rescue you.
0: How did you... An awful scream drowned Hermione's words. Harry's words, Hermione was being tortured again. He cut to the essentials.
1: You can disapparate out of this cellar.
0: He asked Dobby, who nodded, his ears flapping. And you can take humans with you. Dobby nodded again.
1: Right. Dobby, I want you to grab Luna, Dean, and Mr. Ollivander and take them. take them to... Uh, Bill and Bruce, said Ron. <laughs> said Ron. Jail Cottage <laughs> on the outskirts of the Tinworth.
0: The elf nodded for a third time. He just nodding. And then come back, said Harry.
1: Can you do that, Dobby?
2: Of course, Harry Potter,
0: whispered the tiny little elf. He hurried over to Mr. Ollivander, who appeared to be barely conscious. He took one of the wandmaker's hands in his own, then held out the other to Luna and Dean, neither of whom moved.
2: Harry... We want to help
0: you, Luna whispered.
2: We can't leave you here,
0: said Dean.
1: Go, both of you. We'll see you at Bill and Floors.
0: As Harry spoke, his scar burned worse than ever, and for a few seconds, he looked down, not upon the wandmaker, but on another man who was just as old, just as thin, but laughing scornfully.
2: Kill me then, Voldemort. I welcome death. But my death will not bring you what you seek. There is so much you do not understand.
0: He felt Voldemort's fury, but (laughs) as Hermione screamed again, he shut it out, returning to the cellar and the horror of his own presence. Go. Harry beseeched Luna and Dean.
1: Go. We'll follow. Just go.
0: They caught hold of the elf's outstretched fingers. There was another loud crack, and Dobby, Luna, Dean, and Ollivander vanished.
2: What was that?
0: shouted Lucius Malfoy from over their heads.
2: Did you hear that? What was the noise in the cellar?
0: Harry and Ron stared at each other.
2: Draco, no. Call Wormtail. Make him go and check.
0: Footsteps crossed the room overhead. Then there was silence. Harry knew that the people in the drawing room were listening for more noises from the cellar.
1: "'We're going to have to try and tackle him,'
0: he whispered to Ron. "'They had no choice. It was tackling time. "'The moment anyone entered the room and saw the absence of three prisoners, they were lost.'
1: "'Leave the lights
0: on,' Harry added, "'and as they heard someone descending the steps outside the door, "'they backed against the wall on either side of it.
2: Step back,'
0: came Wormtail's voice. "Stand
2: away from the door. I am coming in.'
0: "'The door flew open.' For a split second, Wormtail gazed into the apparently empty cellar, ablaze with light from the three miniature (coughs) suns floating in midair. Then Harry and Ron launched themselves upon him. Ron seized Wormtail's wand arm and forced it upward. Harry slapped a hand to his mouth, muffling his voice. Silently, they struggled. Wormtail's wand emitted sparks. His silver hand closed around Harry's throat.
2: What is it, Wormtail?
0: called Lucius Malfoy from above. Nothing. Ron called back in a plausible imitation of Wormtail's wheezy voice. All fine. Harry could barely breathe.
1: You're going to kill me?
0: Harry choked, attempting to prise off the metal fingers.
1: After I saved your life, you owe me, Wormtail.
0: The silver fingers slackened. Harry had not expected it. He wrenched himself free, astonished, keeping his hand over Wormtail's mouth. He saw the rat-like man's small, watery eyes widen with fear and surprise. He seemed just as shocked as Harry at what his hand had done, at the tiny, merciful impulse it had betrayed, and he continued to struggle more powerfully, as though to undo that moment of weakness. And we'll have that, whispered Ron, tugging Wormtail's wand from his other hand. Wandless, helpless, Pettigrew's pupils dilated in terror. His eyes had slid from Harry's face to something else. His own silver fingers were moving inexorably toward his own throat. No... Without pausing to think, Harry tried to drag back the hand, but there was no stopping it. The silver tool that Voldemort had given his most cowardly servant had turned upon its disarmed and useless owner. Pettigrew was reaping his reward for his hesitation, his moment of pity. He was being strangled before their own eyes. No. Ron had released Wormtail too, and together he and Harry tried to pull the crushing metal fingers from around Wormtail's throat. But it was no use. Pettigrew was turning blue. Relatio, said Ron, pointing his (laughs) wand at the silver hand, but nothing happened. Pettigrew dropped to his knees, and at the same moment, Hermione gave a dreadful scream from overhead. Wormtail's eyes rolled upward in his purple face. He gave a last twitch and was still. Were we expecting that? No, we were not. (laughs) Probably not. Harry and Ron looked at each other, then, leaving Wormtail's body on the floor behind them, ran up the stairs and back into the shadowy passageway leading to the drawing room. Cautiously, they crept along it until they reached the drawing room door, which was ajar. Now they had a clear view of Bellatrix looking down at Griphook, who was holding Gryffindor's sword in his long-fingered hands. Hermione was lying at Bellatrix's feet. She was barely stirring. "'Well,' Bellatrix said to Griphook, "'is it the true sword?' Harry waited, holding his breath, fighting against the prickling of his scar. No, said Griphook.
2: It is a fake.
0: Are you sure? panted Bellatrix. Quite sure. Yes, said the goblin. Relief broke across her face. All tension drained from it. Good, she said, and with a casual flick of her wand, she slashed another deep cut into the goblin's face, and he dropped with a yell at her feet. She kicked him aside And now She said in a voice That burst with triumph We call the Dark Lord And she pushed back her sleeve And touched her finger To the dark mark At once, Harry's scar felt as though it had split open again. His true surroundings vanished. He was Voldemort, and the skeletal wizard before him was laughing toothlessly at him. He was enraged at the summons he felt. He had warned them. He had told them to summon him for nothing less than Potter. If they were mistaken.
2: Kill me then.
0: Demanded the old man.
2: You will not win. You cannot win. And Voldemort's fury.
0: Mm, Yep, you're right.
2: That one will never, ever be yours.
0: And Voldemort's fury broke. A burst of green light filled the prison room, and the frail old body was lifted from its hard bed (laughs) and then fell back lifeless. And Voldemort returned to the window, his wrath barely controllable. They would suffer his retribution if they had no good reason for calling him back. And I think, said Bellatrix's voice, we can dispose of the mudblood. Greyback, take her if you want her. Take her if you want her. Sorry. It's okay. I'm catching up here. We're on 472. Right in the middle. Take her if you want her. It's a, it's a Ron line. Next. 472?
1: Yeah.
0: It's oh, a... no. <laughs> Ron had burst into the drawing room. Bellatrix looked around, shocked. She turned her wand to face Ron instead. Expelliarmus! He roared, pointing Wormtail's wand at Bellatrix, and hers flew into the air and was caught by Harry, who had sprinted after Ron. Lucius, Narcissa, Draco, and Greyback wheeled about. Harry yelled, Stupefy! And Lucius Malfoy collapsed under the hearth. Jets of light flew from Draco's, Narcissa's, and Greyback's wands. Harry threw himself to the floor, rolling behind a sofa to avoid them. Stop or she dies. Panting, Harry peered around the edge of the sofa. Bellatrix was supporting Hermione, who seemed to be unconscious, and was holding her short, silver knife to Hermione's throat. Drop your wands, she whispered. Drop them, or we'll see exactly how filthy her blood is. Ron stood rigid, clutching Wormtail's wand. Harry straightened up, still holding Bellatrix's. I said, drop them, she screeched, pressing the blade into Hermione's throat. Harry saw beads of blood appear there. All right, he shouted, and he dropped Bellatrix's wand onto the floor at his feet. Ron did the same with Wormtail's. Both raised their hands to shoulder height. Good, she leered. Draco, pick them up. The Dark Lord is coming, Harry Potter. Your death approaches. Harry knew it. His scar was bursting with the pain of it, and he could feel Voldemort flying through the sky from far away, over a dark and stormy sea, and soon he would be close enough to apparate to them, and Harry could see no way out. "'Now,' said Bellatrix softly, as Draco hurried back to her with the wands, "'Sissy, I think we ought to tie these little heroes up again, while Greyback takes care of Miss Mudblood. I am sure the Dark Lord will not begrudge you the girl, Greyback, after what you have done tonight.' At the last word, there was a peculiar grinding noise from above. Any guesses, Brayden? Peculiar grinding noise? No. Um, No. No, that's fair. All of them looked upward in time to see the crystal chandelier tremble, and then, with a creak and an ominous jingling, it began to fall. Bellatrix was directly beneath it. Dropping Hermione, she threw herself aside with a scream. The chandelier crashed to the floor in an explosion of crystal and chains, falling on top of Hermione and the goblin, who still clutched the sword of Gryffindor. Glittering shards of crystal flew in all directions. Draco doubled over, his hands covering his bloody face. His bloody face! <laughs> As Ron ran to pull Hermione out of the wreckage, Harry took his chance. He leapt over an armchair and wrestled three wands from Draco's grip, pointed all of them at Greyback, and yelled, Stupefy! The werewolf yelled... (laughs) I realize I took your line there, Braden. That's all right. (laughs) The werewolf was lifted off his feet by the triple spell, flew up into the ceiling, uh, and smashed into the ground. As Narcissa dragged Draco out of the way of further harm, Bellatrix sprang to her feet, her hair flying as she brandished the silver knife, but Narcissa had directed her wand at the doorway. Dobby! She screamed, and even Bellatrix froze.
2: You, you dropped the chandelier.
0: The tiny elf trotted into the room, his shaking finger pointing at his old mistress.
2: You must not hurt Harry Potter, he squeaked. Kill him,
0: sissy, shrieked Bellatrix, but there was another loud crack, and Narcissa's wand, too, flew into the air and landed on the other side of the room. You dirty little monkey, bawled Bellatrix. How dare you take a witch's wand? How dare you defy your mistress?
2: Dobby has no master,
0: squealed the elf.
2: Dobby is a free elf and Dobby has come to save Harry Potter and his friends.
0: Harry's scar was blinding him with pain. Dimly, he knew that they had moments, seconds, before Voldemort was with them.
1: Run, catch and go!
0: He yelled, throwing one of the wands to him, and then he bent down to tug grip Hook out from under the chandelier. Hoisting the groaning goblin, who still clung to the sword, over one shoulder, Harry seized Dobby's hand and spun on the spot to disapparate. As he turned into darkness, he caught one last view of the drawing room, of the pale, frozen figures of Narcissa and Draco, of the streak of red that was Ron's hair, and a blur of flying silver, as Bellatrix's knife flew across the room at the place where he was vanishing. Billenfleur's, Shell Cottage, Billenfleur's. He had disappeared into the unknown; all he could do was repeat the name of the destination and hope that it would suffice to take him there. The pain in his forehead pierced him, and the weight of the goblin bore down upon him. He could feel the blade of Gryffindor's sword bumping against his back. Dobby's hand jerked in his. He wondered whether the elf was trying to take charge, to pull them in the right direction, and he tried, by squeezing the fingers, to indicate that that was fine with him. And then they hit solid earth and smelled salty air. Harry fell to his knees, relinquished Dobby's hand, and attempted to lower Griphook gently to the ground. Are you all right?" (laughs) he said as the goblin stirred. But Griphook merely whimpered. Harry squinted through the darkness. There seemed to be a cottage a short way or under the away short way away under the wide starry sky, and he thought he saw movement outside it.
1: Have we come to the right place, Dobby? Oh, sorry, Dobby, is this your
0: cottage? He whispered, clutching the two wands he had brought from the Malfoys, ready to fight if he needed to.
1: Have we come to the right place, Dobby?
0: He looked around. The little elf stood feet from him. Dobby! The elf swayed slightly, stars reflected in his wide, shining eyes. Together, he and Harry looked down at the silver hilt of the knife, protruding from the elf's heaving chest.
1: Dobby, no! Help!
0: Harry bellowed toward the cottage, toward the people moving there. Help! He did not know or care whether they were wizards or muggles, friends or foes. All he cared about was that a dark stain was spreading across Dobby's front and that he had stretched out his thin arms to Harry with a look of supplication. Harry caught him and lay him sideways on the cool grass.
1: Dobby, no, don't die, don't die.
0: The elf's eyes found him and his lips trembled with the effort to form words. And then, with a little shudder, the elf became quite still, and his eyes were nothing more than great glassy orbs, sprinkled with light from the stars they could not see. It's a bummer. <laughs> well said. It is, that's... A, it is a bummer. That's, that's not how you want to die. No, you didn't know until just now how much you did not want Dobby to die. You, it wasn't even on your radar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that's not cool. I did know just from hanging around you guys in high school that Dobby dies. Um, I just didn't know. Obviously didn't know how or when. So yeah. still kind of blindsided by that. That really sucks. I know it was kind of a long he died, chapter. He died with honor.
0: Yeah. He died with great honor. You see why we had to read that one together, you know?
1: Uh, yes, I do. A heads up about that would have been sweet, but... Um, I know, but yeah, it's got to be a surprise. Sense. It's got to be a surprise. Yeah. Well, Yeah. I get it. Uh, with that being
0: said, I need to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure we will talk more about the events at the end of uh, Malfoy Manor on the next coming episode. So we want to start winding things down here first and foremost. We want to thank Carla for coming on, uh, being a good sport about the rasping of Drayback and the drawl of Scabior and the squeaking of Dobby and Wormtail and Luna. And uh, we just really appreciated your input, Carla, uh, the whole episode, and you did an awesome
2: job. Thank you. I promised you the voices wouldn't be consistent, and I delivered.
0: I, they, I thought they were, pretty, they were pretty good, honestly. Yeah. I was impressed. I, I thought it was great.
2: Oh, um, well, Thanks. Yeah. It was great to, to chat with you guys again. And, um, well, um, I'm looking forward to for, for the next few episodes. We're almost done, and it's really going to get even more fun from
0: now on i guess yeah yeah we're we're kind of uh passing a threshold of clearly i mean there's only so many chapters left like events are gonna occur that's what they do yeah (laughs) so um yeah yeah we really appreciate carla coming on um as she has done a few times now which is pretty awesome uh we, If you guys want to make your input heard, we'd love to hear from you. Um, calling in to the howler, which is 978 978-POTTER-0. Um, call or text in like Chad. Uh, be more like Chad and Carla is probably a good a good life lesson.
1: So Yeah, good principles to live by. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Braden, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Rest in peace, Dobby Yeah, RIP to an absolute real one Shows up Unexpectedly Um, Dobby ex machina Just like saves our butts And then dies Yeah, that's That sucks, I don't like that (laughs) I don't like it either, man Yeah But you know Dobby would have it no other way Than to like, die saving Harry Potter's life
1: yeah yeah he died with honor mm-hmm. and uh if you'd have asked him 10 times do you want to die to save harry potter he'd uh he'd answered yes 10 times yeah so
0: yeah you're absolutely right you get chills the dobster yeah. what a loyal bro what an ant- he's a real ant boy he is tried and true yeah through and through Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Braden, for putting up with a second consecutive week of live read. Uh, Thank you, Hannah. Shout out Hannah, testing the limits of your long famed uh, kindness and patience. So.
1: Thank you, Carla.
0: Thank you, Carla. As always.
2: Bye. Bye guys. Yeah.